Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the irrelevant Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. <laughs> the irrelevant. Uh, good evening, Shag. Uh, how's the uh, vote counting going on down there? Well, um, I, you know, we're, we're having to record a little later than we planned because um, I had to go take my mandatory. Um, a basic arithmetic class. Um, everyone in Florida is now required to take a basic arithmetic class so they can figure out how to freaking count. I, I really think at this point, Florida just has to pack it in and just stop with the voting entirely. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw on the news, but the, the, the Puerto Rico uh, voted on the, a ballot measure to um, to make them they, – they, they, they want to be a state. They want to be a, the 51st state. They've wanted that a long time. Right. Well, apparently this is the first time that it, like, was a majority of the vote saying, yes, we want this. So my suggestion would be to ditch Florida and we'll replace it with Puerto Rico and we don't have to change the flags. Well, you know what that means then is every time you uh, want to come visit Disney, you're going to have to get, like, a a visa. Well, you know, funny that ties into a topic that we're going to be discussing later on. Uh, But, but you know, I think that would be all right. I'm just, you know, you guys really have got to figure out. That you know, hey, votes need to be counted at some point during this process. It's horribly embarrassing. We are all so embarrassed down here. We're it's like you all hate us. We hate Palm Beach County. Okay, so it's Palm it's, Beach it's, County is the problem. But it's, it's the second time they've screwed it up. I mean, okay. so they're not the only ones, but okay. that's the second time they've screwed it up. It's like they're the ones who caused all the problems back in two thousand. The hanging chads right, came from right, them. Right. Just if I, I think. Right. I mean, just to, just as like a not even to pick on Florida, but just like it, it's got to not feel good to be sort of irrelevant. You just called me irrelevant, irrelevant to the process now. You know what I mean? Because it's like the election was two days ago. It's like, you know, it's like I would feel bad if New Jersey was was not producing the, the electoral. You know what I mean? Like if we were there, I'd be like, come on, guys, let's, we're, we're missing the train here, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened was they were counting feverishly, and then once they realized that the vote was done, 
they like they stopped counting with the Whataburger, you know, just chilled out for a while. Wow. Amazing. Anyway. It's sad. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, welcome back to the Fire and Water Podcast. This is a very special episode for Rob and I because we get to do whatever the heck we want. That's right. It's uh, <laughs> We're kind of just calling this one Geek Talk. So uh, we, we covered Firestorm and Aquaman number 13 last week, and uh, we call this sort of like a bye week. We're just going to kind of chill out, have some fun, and uh, relax. Yeah, well, we had a bunch of topics that, you know, little random bits that we wanted to get to. And instead of, you know, trying to jam them into a, another themed show, we thought it was just better to lump them all together and make this like a potpourri episode. Especially since the last one that we did, which was the comic talk one, was, was like a pretty popular show. People, everybody out there really seemed to like it. And so yep. combine that with the looming mountain of feedback. Uh, yeah. This is massive, folks. We have like uh, a 17-page document of feedback from y'all, which is amazing. And we're going to blow through it all as best as we can. We're going to hear from everyone that uh, left us messages and just give a shout-out to everybody. So we really appreciate it, guys. Speaking of hearing things, uh, in case any of you hear a weird chingling sound in the background – uh, that is Darling Tracy pulling herself a, uh, pouring herself a bowl of Lucky Charms. So, <laughs> gracious living here in New Jersey. I almost did my uh, my little leprechaun accent, but I better not. <laughs> not do that. As an Irishman, I'm offended by that. Right. <laughs> so tonight, um, during dinner, we sat down with the kids, and I was like, you know what, let's watch something. So we sat down, and uh, I popped in a DVD of I had recorded of the Dragon Con Parade. What's that? Well, I was, I was at Dragon Con, you may know. Oh, right. Okay. And they, they actually have a parade. Oh, I it's, didn't know that. It's a walking parade, but it takes literally almost an hour to go by. That's how big it is. That's and a it's big just, parade. Oh, my gosh. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in costumes. I mean, there's like a whole segment of Ghostbusters. They have vehicles and the costumes, and then there's the stormtroopers, and then there's you know the fairies and the Middle Earth hey, no, and that's all not, the that's stuff. Ah, ha, ha, ha. But it's, uh, it's, it's a really kind of fun thing. But what, uh, what's, what's always kind of the end of the parade, the big, big thing everyone waits for is the Star Wars thing. Ah. Because there are oof, normally a couple hundred stormtroopers in the parade, which is amazing to see a couple hundred stormtroopers marching down Peachtree, you know, a major street in Atlanta. And, uh, I mean, if there's any, there's like, I don't know, last time I heard there's like 4,000 spectators at this parade. It's unbelievable, and uh, it, it's like a mile and a half walk or something to that extent, and walking parade. It's really cool, and so the stormtroopers are a big deal. And I was watching it with my thirteen-year-old, and he just was absolutely loving the Star Wars stuff. And I couldn't help but think about next year how different it'll be. With uh, they'll probably have like stormtroopers wearing Mickey ears or something. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that was that that I I I like to think that I'm fairly you know like aware of pop culture things going on. But I had no idea that Disney was even in, like, Lucasfilm was on the block. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I had no idea. So I was out um, I was out most of that day, and then I came home, and I really hadn't checked my mail or anything, checked Facebook. So I got home, you know, and I opened Facebook, and, like, every single one of my friends <laughs> was all writing the same thing, which was, Lucasfilm sells to Disney. I was like, what? Like, what? And then on, <laughs> and then on top of that, it was, oh, yeah, new Star Wars movie 2015. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? So uh, yeah, I was I was amazed at that. I just had no idea that was going to happen, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess well, I I don't I don't want to like take over, but I guess I'll just say how I felt about it. I'm thrilled at this news um, because you know, look, uh, I don't want to pick on George Lucas anymore. 
I, I feel like, you know, he's taken his lumps and, you know, he's donated like almost all of this money that he's getting to educational uh, causes. And so that oh, is. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. He's donating almost all of this money to, to education, which is, you know, wonderful. And, and he's done other philanthropic things with his money. He did. He was involved in this documentary called The Cove, which is about. Um, I don't want to, like, drag the show down, but it was about, like, dolphins that are sort of getting slaughtered over in Japan. And and he, like, partly funded that movie and came out and, like, created fake rocks that look – that are actually cameras, which they used hmm. which they used to record this footage of these dolphins who are getting killed, which shouldn't be. And, like, they're, like th- – these are rock cameras that can exist underwater for, like, months at a time and don't go bad. And he funded all that himself. And hmm. I, I was just like, all right, George, I, you know, yeah, the prequels still really suck. It it does, I mean, but it, you know, I mean, it doesn't make them not suck. But I, but I looked at it and just said, you know what, if, if he's doing a lot of good with his money. And, oh, yeah. and so, you know, I have no, no grief with him. At the same time, I am very happy that he is not going to be working on these movies. Um, I don't think he has it in him anymore. I think it's clear he doesn't have it in him by the prequels. Um, so I'm very thrilled. I'm thrilled, A, that they're going to do more Star Wars movies. I'm thrilled, B, that they're going to be 7, 8, 9, not more prequels. And I'm thrilled that he's handing them off to other people. Uh, I think there are other people that can grab it and run with it. And uh, I, so to me, I looked at it like it's all to the good. You know, uh, it's all to the good. And I will say this. I, there's rumors, you know, I mean, nobody knows, but I mean, there's rumors that, you know, well, are these going to be all new characters? Is it going to be, you know, Han, Luke and Leia? You know, is it going to be that, you know, I will tell you that if I get to see Harrison Ford again as Han Solo, my head will explode. <laughs> my, all the, all the, all the, I mean, he, you know, he went on record recently and said he'd be willing to do it. I know. Well, that's right. All the hate that I have for the prequels and it's a lot of hate. All the hate I have for the prequels, all that will be not washed away because I'll still not like those movies, but all that will be forgiven if even for five minutes I get to see him as as Han Solo again. That I will never thought I would ever see that again in my life. So well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll and we'll keep going back and forth here. Um, I'll, I'll share some of my thoughts real quick on it from a business perspective before we get into fanboy wank. I think, think we already did that. I, well, you already went there, but I, I have a little bit myself. But I, I didn't know either. And the way I found out was actually from one of our match, uh, one of our nuclear subs. Really? Yes, Keith, yeah, Keith Samra. He sent me a message via Twitter, basically saying, um, "Unrelated question about Firestorm. What are your thoughts on Disney buying Lucasfilm? I know you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> and are we allowed to curse tonight or not? I don't know. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> but I, I get that tweet, and I'm like, "What the fuck? You know?" And, <laughs> and it was just like, "No." No, they can't possibly. And then all of a sudden, all these tweets start coming in between Keith Samra and Keith G. Baker. Right. And they're going back and forth making these hilarious things like Matt Murdock, the Jedi without fear, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's stuff like that. And I'm like, what? You know, it just it was it was nuts. And I get on Google and I start reading about it. And it blew my mind. Yeah. And um, it literally took me a while to recover. And I look at my 13 year old and I'm like, Lucasfilm got bought by Disney. He's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows that. I'm like, what? If everybody knows that. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, you know, I'm suddenly being lapped by a 13-year-old in knowledge of, of geekdom. And uh, so after the, the, the stun wore off, 
started thinking about it from a business perspective. Um, a couple different areas. First of all, Kathleen Kennedy is held, heading up Lucasfilm now. Right, which we knew that before. Oh, okay. I, had, I, had, I hadn't kept up on that. Yeah, they had announced that. When Lucas said he was retiring, he was handing it over to Kathleen Kennedy. And she's great. If you don't know her, folks, she's like been Spielberg's right-hand person for 30 years. I mean, you go back to E.T. Yeah, she produced her E.T., yeah. Yeah, her name's on majorly in the credits. I mean, she's she's fantastic. So it's definitely in good hands. Um, Disney has yet to produce a good science fiction film for the most part. However, uh, Lucasfilm, I'm sure, will operate somewhat independently, much like Marvel Film Studios does. It's owned by Disney as well. Right. And um, so I think that they have the, every chance of making a good movie. And Lucas is supposed to stay on as a consultant for episode, was it? Um, seven. Seven, which is a good thing. You know, if you look at the Star Wars films, at least in my opinion, of, of the of the classic three, the best ones: Return of the Jedi. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> like wow, <laughs> pulling your leg there. Uh, the best ones: Empire Strikes Back, and mainly it's because you know George came up with the story. He had someone else do the screenplay, and he had someone else direct. And the director was made sure Luke, uh, Lucas was pretty hands off. Wasn't the case in Return of the Jedi. Lucas was a lot more hands on with that one. Yeah. So. Empire is the perfect example of kind of what the setup we're looking at, and that's the best one, I think. So that's encouraging because I think Lucas probably still has some good story ideas and nuggets you know, of, of ideas in him. But you're right. He's, he's no longer that 25-year-old director who's hungry. You know, Now he's a middle-aged guy who's got a daughter who's probably in college now, and he's got a whole different set of priorities. Yeah, uh, yeah and I mean, you know, it could be just – not everybody who's creative can stay at their creative peak their whole life. You know, most people aren't, in fact. So, I mean, will know. continue to be, but yes, um, yeah. The Fire Horror yeah. Podcast episode six thousand three hundred and two. Um, now, I, I've got more business stuff, stuff oh, real I'm quick. Because um, there's there's the Star Wars film franchise, but then you look at Disney's side of it. I mean, Disney didn't buy Star Wars just to make more movies. They bought Star Wars because it's a huge money maker. Sure. And, and if you look at it. Disney has um, been redoing Disney World. I don't know what's going on in Disneyland. Maybe California listeners can tell me what's going on. But in Disney World, they pretty much gutted Fantasyland. And they're expanding. And they're building a, a several sort of a pavilions for all these different princesses. Like Little Mermaid's going to have her own, her own little pavilion area, like a, like a ride. Wow. Uh, Belle from uh, Beauty and the Beast is going to have her own thing, like her house, and you go in and she'll read to you. And then, so most of the main princesses are going to have their own little, you know, ride or pavilion kind of area in this new expanded fantasy land. So Disney World pretty much has the girl market all wrapped up. They really do. Right. I mean, they, they, they've got it. This is, this is cementing their control of the girl market, the little girl market. And, you know, for a while, everyone was kind of like, huh, I wonder what they're going to do to cement the boy market. There's only so much you can, mileage you can get out of Toy Story. And then they bought Marvel Comics. They're like, ah, okay. Yeah. Sooner or later, they'll just yank the Marvel license from Universal Studios. And I know everyone, you know, all the geeks are raging, no, there's a contract. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because Disney's not going to break, you know, break that contract. Right. <laughs> Um, and then they go and buy Star Wars. So I would be shocked if we don't see a new park, or at least an expanded, probably a new park, I would say, but uh, or an expanded park that's really targeted for boys. I mean, if you think about it, if you do sort of like what um, Universal has done with Islands of Adventure, if you're familiar with it, they have these basically little areas. Like there's a Marvel Comics area. There's a Harry Potter area. There's a Dr. Seuss area. And there's like several rides within each one of the areas. So if Disney did something like that where they had, like, I don't know, a Marvel area 
and then they have a Star Wars area. And then, you know, throw some girl stuff in there, too, so the girls have something to go to. And they could build a brand new park and just another mega park that would be huge, and they'd make a jillion dollars off of it. Now, I'll tell you the company that I'm worried for the most, um, in my own selfish way, well, not selfish, but just, you know, my loyalty, my brand loyalty, I'm worried about Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, it's, uh, you can't, you would imagine that the Star Wars comic books would end up back in Marvel at this point. They'd almost have to. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what happened to Boom Studios, Boom Studios launched this huge Disney line. They put a lot of energy behind it. Um, it was, I think it was called Kaboom when it launched, and they did a lot of hoopla about announcing their, their Disney line. And by like the time the first issue finally hit the stands, they announced that they bought Marvel. And then, as I understand it, Boom didn't hold on to that license for, for much longer. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you got you got to think. Even though Dark Horse has been publishing Star Wars comics for 20 years, you know, more, actually, I think more than that. Man, it's probably about 20 years. Uh, and doing amazing work and really done some amazing stuff with the expanded universe, I, I think they're going to lose it. Yeah, I would imagine they're, they would have to. And I love me the Marvel Star Wars comics. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, and me not too. only Not only do I own the issues, I also own the collected trade paperbacks, and I even appear once in a blue moon on Two True Freaks where they do their issue-by-issue reviews of the Marvel Star Wars comics. I mean, I'm a huge fan of this stuff. I love it. Um, but I just, I do feel bad for Dark Horse. Mm. So, all right. You say your bit, then I'm going to do my fanboy moments. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I, I think it's just, like, um, I, this is just off the top of my head. Like, I, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't want to see, and I don't think they will be, that the, 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 the future films will be focused on Han, Luke, and Leia. Those actors are just too old at this point to be main characters. And for the most part, their stories are told. You know, but they'll, I want to see them in them. They can be the elder characters, you know. I mean, Luke can be the Ben Kenobi um, of, of the third set of films. And um, and so so I would love to see, you know, them focus on a new set of characters, but also use the classic guys. Because you just, you know, again, it's just too good to pass up, especially when the three of them are all still around. And they're and presumably from what we're hearing, they're all willing to do it. So, um, in terms of you know, it, one of the things that, that I've mentioned this before to, to, to friends over the years when it's come up, but like you know, as a creative person, I'm always a little nervous when a property is taken away from the person who created it. That just you know makes me nervous. Now, 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 of course, in this case, it's not being taken away from Lucas; he sold it. Um, but it, but it reminds me of what happened to Star Trek and you know during the 70s as Paramount tried to get Star Trek ramped up again they kept going back to Gene Roddenberry because they kind of had to and to put it mildly Gene Roddenberry's ideas were mostly pretty bad and they they were they were and they found a way to basically kick him upstairs and turn him into a as I think the same word as consultant which was sort of like remove him from the day-to-day operations of Star Trek while, while sort of like honoring his contract. And I've read several books about Star Trek and the Star Trek movies. And like after the first movie came out, which was a big hit, but it was, you know, critically pretty lambasted as people saying this is not a good movie. They, I have some friends that's their favorite, but God, it's boring. It's a, it's a terrible movie. It's I a, fall asleep every time. After, I, 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 like the first, I like watching the first 30 minutes where they get the crew back together, oh, and then, no. I just, then I just turn it off. Terrible movie. Um, but anyway, uh, after each successive sequel, 
they would go to Roddenberry and say, well, give us, okay, you know, like, okay, Gene, what's your idea? And his idea for the, for the, for the, for whatever Star Trek movie was next in the shoot, his idea was always the crew of the Enterprise goes back in time to November 1963 in Dallas, and it, they, they get involved with the Kennedy assassination, and the film ends with Spock firing the phantom shot and killing Kennedy. Holy crap. Right. And that's a horrible idea. It's a horrible, horrible idea. Uh, and I don't if, necessarily agree with your assessment, but that's okay. No, there, like, to me, it's like if they had let Gene Roddenberry produce that film, that would have killed Star Trek in its crib right then and there. Like, after the first movie, they were like, okay, what are we going to do for Star Trek 2? And he was like, how about this idea where they go back in time and kill Kennedy? And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. So then they really? so we liked everything you said up to went back in time and killed Kennedy. So let's, so, let's do that in Star Trek Four. So then they go back in. The, they do Wrath of Khan, and Wrath of Khan was a huge hit. And they go, okay, that, well, that was a, that was a good damn movie. It's yes, still it a good damn. Still movie. is a good damn movie. It's the Empire Strikes Back of Star Trek films. Um, <laughs> so so then they go back and they say, okay, well, how should we continue the story? And I think Ron Barry was like, well, we have to continue the story, blah 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 blah. And so you know they kind of do three the way it was intended because there was so much story to wrap up. So then they'd go to four and they're like, okay, our idea is we're going to go send the guys back in time. And Ronberry goes, Hey, I have an idea for a time travel story. And it's the same story. And, and once again, they were like, thanks, Gene. Don't call us. Is, we'll call you. Did all this come from the book or did you make all these fun stories? Up? No, this is from, uh, this is from William okay. Shatner's book, Star Trek Movie Memories, and I've read it in other places. Cause you I was say, oh, and Bill remembers everything very clearly. Yeah, well, exactly. I, mean, I you know, <laughs> just trust Shatner as your only source. No, I've read this in a bunch of different places. So anyway. Ba- bathroom walls, so, so, in, a, in a high school slam book. Anyway, I'm trying to tell my story here. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, after Star Trek Four, they basically found a way to just remove Roddenberry out of Star Trek's control entirely they just they just were able to do it and i've always felt weird about that because it's like you know what he did create it and he kind of got pushed out which isn't right at the same time if they had let him do it he would have killed it he would have absolutely killed the franchise killed it right then and there there would have been no star trek next generation there would have been you know what i mean and so it's like i I, as a creative person i don't like the idea that he was sort of booted away from his creation at the same time he clearly had lost it in terms of what made Star Trek good. And did, I, did, did he write Encounter at Farpoint? No. He didn't write I don't think he wrote anything on Star Trek after that. Well, I mean, Encounter, he, he, for, Encounter at Farpoint was not good. So okay, I kind of well, thought maybe he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. So same thing with Lucas. You know, it's like, okay, it is his creation. He came up with it entirely out of his head in Joseph Campbell books. But he created it entirely, <laughs> he created it entirely on his own. He did build that. And um, uh, so he deserves to do with it what he wants. At the same time, I don't – if they said, oh, the next three films are going to be like the prequels, I think people would just be like, I don't even – don't even bother. I don't want to see them. Right. Absolutely. So, so I think he knows that. Yeah, and he knows that. So it, so it's like I, I have that conflict of like I feel kind of bad that everyone – that he knows everyone wants him out of his own creation. That's got to feel weird. At the same time, you know, this thing grew to be bigger than he ever expected and – he just doesn't have it anymore. He just doesn't have it. So, you know, I'm I'm very happy that um, it's going to be other people. I'm sorry. That story went way longer than I expected. That's okay. You hit great Star Trek and Star Wars stuff. That's you know, right in my wheelhouse, brother. We're good. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, with, with Lucas, 
he's stepping aside and you can feel weird about it. But for the last 20 years, there's proof of concept on every, you know, uh, bookshelf that Star Wars can go beyond Lucas and be good. Absolutely. Right. Um, I, my, my personal love of Star Wars where I, I'm really into, I, I love the EU of Star Wars. I'm really a big fan of the EU, but only the, like the EU I care about, <laughs> which is very selfish. But like, uh, I enjoy the Marvel Star Wars comics. I love that. I don't really consider those canon, but God, they're fun. Uh, I do sort of, uh, consider canon, if you will, the novels, like the Timothy Zahn novels. Um, I love those time of the Timothy Zahn book. Oh my gosh, they're so good. The Michael Stackpole novels are so good. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Kevin J. Anderson stuff, but, um, these are all any anyway, in the Aaron Alliston books are really good and, and but so I'm a big fan of the novels and in like when I heard they're doing seven eight nine here's my fanboy moment by the way okay so like if they want to put old Luke Han and Leia in the film that's fine I think it's a bad idea actually um, not because the characters don't in you know last but Harrison Ford Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher I just don't see them. They'd have to be very, 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 very minor characters for it to be palatable, I think. Otherwise, they're just going to get in the way, I think, at this point. But um, so, like, doing their kids, if it's not Jason and Jaina and Ben, it's going to be hard for me. I'm not saying I won't enjoy it, but I've been reading about Jason and Jaina for, God, 20 years. Um, Ben, I've been reading about for, like, 10 years. And... These characters are just as real as anybody else, you know, in Star Wars. So it will be kind of hard for me to accept them. That you know, if Lucas go, or not Lucas, if the Star Wars folks go in a different direction, which they honestly probably should. I think they've even it, said they are. I think they said it's going to be a completely original story, which means and it and it should be. I mean, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. But it's still the fanboy in me is going to be like, Meh. but I get it though. From a business perspective, it makes more sense that way. You know, why be beholden to something Timothy Zahn created? Yeah. No. No. So. Um, so that, that's my fanboy moment. So yeah, I said I'm I'm real thrilled with it. 2015 can't get here soon enough. You know, I really just and my idea. Of course, you know the internet's been aflame with like, oh, who should do it and blah 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 blah. My my idea, and I've seen this in other places. I'm not saying I came up with this. To me, the perfect one of maybe a perfect director for at least chapter seven would be Brad Bird. What do you do? What? What's he known for? You don't know Brad Bird? I, I know. I don't. The Incredibles? Oh, Rat- that's fun. Ratatouille, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol? No, oh, those are all fun. The Simpsons? Good Lord. Okay. Good Lord, Jack. First Carly Rae Jepsen and now this. Um, I, live in a clo- I live in a closet. You have two children. How do you not know these things? Um, I don't watch the credits. I'm okay. busy, anyway. busy telling them to sit down and stop eating candy. He did Iron Giant? That's a good one. That is a good one, yes. Everything he's done has been good. Brad Bird is one of these guys who has a ton of skill both as a writer and a director, but he kind of disappears behind his story. He doesn't impose his, quote-unquote, and I'm doing air quotes here, vision onto the material, which I tend to think is a lot of times the death knell of a property. As much as I love like the Batman movies, and I do love them, I, I got a little tired of it being Batman through Chris Nolan's vision. Yeah, you know, it, at a certain point, I'm like, you know, this is just, you know, this is just a Chris Nolan movie, which just happens to have a guy in a bad costume in it. Brad, <laughs> Brad, Brad Bird is is not a stylist or a, 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 a like a vision director. He's more of a journeyman director, and that's not 
at all a knock on him at all. He's kind of like like uh, the I would say he's a modern equivalent of like Richard Donner. Richard Donner did Superman, but there's nothing about Superman that leads you to say, oh, there that that's so clearly directed by you know that guy. Um, and so I think I think that's what Star Wars needs. People said, oh, Chris Nolan could do a great Star Wars. That's the, the no. You do not want to see a Star Wars movie directed by Chris Nolan. You know, it was all dark and everything. You know, no, no, no. It, it's it, I don't want anybody saying, oh, uh, this is going to be my vision of Star Wars. No, you just tell the story. And the two guys that Lucas hired to do Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi were not visionary guys. They were more workmanlike directors, Irvin Kirshner and Richard Marquand. So I think that's what you do. You hire guys of supreme skill at storytelling and and great directors, but are not guys that consider themselves like sort of they need to impose their will on the material, you know. So that's my you know choice would be Brad Bird. You know what I find kind of funny is um, you know we're sitting here discussing like who we think should direct it and what characters should be in it. I read this really funny Facebook post the other day. This guy I know wrote this scathing comment about <laughs> podcasters talking about Star Wars and. and trying to impose their vision of who should star in it or what characters and what directors should be in it. And he was really opposed to this kind of stuff, this kind of talk. I, you're, you're trying to make it funny and you're not succeeding. Um, <laughs> I was more commenting on the fact that I heard way too many comments about, oh, I don't want to see Carrie Fisher in the metal bikini anymore. And it's like, you know what? She's 56. Um, she's a very accomplished writer. And author and actress, I'm sorry she doesn't uh, hold up to your physical standards. Uh, Star Wars fanboy, I'm sure you've got some ripped abs, you know. So it's like, <laughs> I, I, I just like if I'd heard the joke once, I, I would just have forgotten it. But I downloaded a bunch of Star Wars podcasts because I was like just so into hearing the news, and I was like, I want to hear what other people are saying. And I heard like that joke repeated by at least three different sets of people. It's the first time I've heard it. And I was just like, that's cruddy. You know what I mean? That's just cruddy. You know, it's like she's, she's, you know, okay. She's not physically, you know, she was like 22 when she made that movie. She's not 22 anymore. Sorry, guy. It just seemed very sexist and very just kind of, I was just like, ugh, you know, come on. She's still cool. She came to Dragon Con. I didn't get a chance to see she's her. She's awesome. Her last she's year. Carrie Fisher. She's fantastic. She was, on, she was on 30 Rock a couple years ago. She was really yes. funny. She's fantastic. She and they even did a Star Wars joke in that show. People um, went insane. Of course. She's oh. she's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. But it was just, you know, like, I, if I was Lucas and I heard those podcasts, I'd be like, screw you guys. More Jar Jar. You know? Like, <laughs> well, that's part of the reason probably up. why he got rid of it is just that he got sick of – he's taken a beating now for a long time. I mean, yeah. there was even that movie you can find it on Netflix, um, The People vs. George Lucas. I saw Lucas. that movie. I saw that movie. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, sort of. I like it. I had I had my criticisms of the film and what the filmmaker was trying to do versus what he did, but anyway. Anyway, anyways, we've been talking about Star Wars for a long time. Anyway, we're very happy that they're going to call it the uh, Fire and Star and Water Box. Something like that. Anyway, we're very um, you know we're very happy that there's new Star Wars on the way, and you know uh, I will be there no matter how much I uh, was dissuaded by you know the prequels and everything else. I will be there and whenever it opens in 2015. You've you've dropped hints from time to time and talked about. You know, your, this New York Comic Con experience. What what can you tell us about it? Yes, uh, that was something else we wanted to cover. Um, we went. I went to the New York Comic Con, which was on October 11th through the 14th. Um, I saw. I, I will not be able to get everything in that I want to say about because it, it was a really great experience. The main thing was they did the New York Comic Con a little differently this time. 
instead of having the artist alley as part of the main show, the sort of the main show floor, they gave us uh, our own like pavilion. So you could get to the the artist alley very easily. Basically, if you walked in the convention center, if you walked straight up the escalators, you went to the main show floor, and if you made a right, you went to artist alley. So in many ways, it felt like it was a con within a con because the artist alley had like its own sort of feel and a lot of uh, there were some people who didn't like it didn't like feeling that they were cut off from the main show but i really liked it because all the people that i wanted to see were there were in that building um i took a couple of trips up to the show floor and it was just mobbed and it was you know up on the show floor it's all guys with you know the video game displays and it to me was very loud and, and it's not something i could deal with for more than any you know, 10 minutes at a time. But I went down to the artist alley where Dan and I had a table for Ace Kilroy. And um, all the people I wanted to see were there. Ramona Fraden was there. Joe Staden was there. The boys from Aquaman were there. Um, uh, I, I'm going to forget all these people that were there. So if anybody was there, you know. There was Ildurey Sinar. Ildurey Sinar. There you go. Ildurey Sinar was there. Bill Sienkiewicz was there. Um, mm. Joe Staten, um, and, it, and a bunch of artists that I had never heard of to this point, whose work I fell in love with. And one of the things, uh, one of the things that I that I did when we were there is I brought the Ace Kilroy sketchbook that we have, which is a a little like a photo album, not a photo album, like a postcard sized book. And I, we've been getting sketches of Ace Kilroy characters drawn by other artists, and. So the, the, the point of it is, like, we want Ace Kilroy done by different people. We want, like, as wide a variety of styles as possible. So Ilderay did one for us. Oh, wow. Um, which was great. Um, we got, I got one from Joe Prado. I got one from Rod Reese. I got uh, one of um, Joe, Joe Staten drew Ace Kilroy with Dick Tracy, which was oh. fantastic. I got um, Ramona Freight to draw Ace Kilroy with Brenda Starr. I have to tell you with that I went up to I went up to Ramona and she didn't really remember me. I've interviewed her for the shrine, but she didn't really remember. Me. But she's 85. I mean, you know, hey, no harm, no foul. And um, I was talking to her and I was telling her, trying to explain her what he's killer was, and she looked a little kind of like what you know, what what's a web comic, you know, whatever. And then I said, I would love it, you know. I said if you could draw our character with Brenda Starr, and her face lit up when <laughs> I said that because she probably never gets asked about Brenda Starr, you know. It's probably just all superheroes. So she was like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And so that was great. You know, like, I felt like, oh, I made her day, you know. Um, we got an East Kilroy sketch done by um, this amazing artist named Ming Doyle. Um, she is a genius. Her stuff is gorgeous. It has this kind of, like, dark, but Europe, slightly old-fashioned, European-y looking type thing. And she did a, a portrait of our female, the, the sort of main female character, Ellie West, which we love. I showed it to Dan. He was like, oh, my God, this is great. So we ended up getting, I don't know, something like 10 different Ace Kilroy sketches from different people. And it was I just, every time we got a new sketch, I would bring it back to Dan. And we were just like, oh, my God, this book is so, you know, the, the, it, was, it was so much fun to, um, to, to meet all these people and, and sort of talk to them about Ace Kilroy and get them to draw our characters. That was just so much fun. Um, of course, I got to hang out with the boys. Which was fantastic. Do they, do, do they know you call them the yes, boys? Yes, I call them the boys on the shrine. Yes, <laughs> totally down with it. Um, didn't you see that picture I took with them? I don't know. I, I think we should probably post uh, it. I think the whole world saw the picture you yeah, took with them. Maybe we should post it on the Tumblr feed. But there's that. it was literally the last thing we did before I left the show. Um, 
was uh, uh, we were like, oh, we're going to get all pictured together. So it was uh, me and Joe and Ivan and Rod and Ivan DaCosta, who was part of that gang and, and is a phone member. And, and um, uh, I think he's – I'm not sure what actually he does for Ivan, but he handles a lot of Ivan's work in terms of getting it out there and I guess selling it and things like that. So we all posed together and we were all just standing there. And then somebody said, guys, do an action pose. So we all did our action poses. And, like, I I hate looking at pictures of myself. I just – it's a big, giant, bald head. It just is upsetting. But it's I po- – It's pointing, too. So anyway um, – <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, um, so anyway, we did action pose. And it was all five – and I, we were gonna, I'm going to post it on the, the, the Tumblr site because it was such a fun picture. Of, oh, it's a great, it's a great, it's an absolutely great photo. And I'm wearing my Aquaman Letterman jacket, which was given to me by a uh, phone member, Ray DeForest. So it was, it was great. Um, we really had a good time with the guys. And Joe Prado, when he was there, Joe Prado showed me the advance art from Aquaman number 13, which was not out yet at that point. And he showed me the advance art for Justice League number 14. So I've seen what happens in those books. Um, he was showing me in between pictures of his dogs, which was great. Um <laughs> And there, and I also, you know, while we were at the, in terms of Ace Killer, we sold a bunch of stuff. We actually sold out of our regular sized collection. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we, we had to, Dan had to make a sign. We, we he drew it on a bag and he wrote he has a drawing of Ace saying, "Holy cats, we're sold out." Um, <laughs> we sold a bunch of T-shirts. We sold trading cards. Sold a lot of stuff. So that was a lot of fun. And we got to introduce it to a, a, a new audience. Um, we met a, a lot of the foam guys came by. Again, I'm gonna forget some of your names. So I, if you if you're listening to this and I don't mention you, please don't be insulted. But like we met, I got to meet Chad Bokelman from the Lantern Cast, um, which we'll mention on later on in the show with another topic. So, um, and I actually tried to record a sort of live episode of the Fire and Water podcast at the show, but I mistakenly did not. We didn't move far enough away from the main hall, and so the audio of it is horrible, and you just can't hear us at all. So I had to just scrap it entirely because you can't even hear what we're saying. Um, so I apologize for that, Chad. Um, but I met Chad Bogleman, Randy Caldwell, who was Mr. Perturbed. Um, Yay. Uh, uh, little Russell Burbage came by. Uh, I feel bad I didn't get to see him enough. He kind of flitted in and out. And I was kind of tied to these killer table. Uh, I, Joe Slab came by. He was there for two days. Um, whenever – I was assumed that whenever I, he wasn't around me, he was, at, he was at the bar that was up the street from the Javits Center. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, did he have like a water bottle with him? Yeah, he, he was carrying around something in a paper bag. I didn't question it. I'm just saying, you know, it's vodka not, is clear. It's so. not any of my business. Um, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking out on, on so many other people uh, that, that came by. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And Dan and I decided pretty much right then and there that we're going to do it next year because we, we, we made some money. Um, we met a lot of, you know, we met a bunch of cool people and gave a lot of stuff out. And so, um, it was great. We were, we had a really good time and I love New York. I love being in New York. So, um, it was like an unqualified success. We were really, really happy with it. That's fantastic. It sounds like an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah. I like doing the shows. I really, they're a lot of work because we have to have all our ice killer stuff and everything else. But, um, but but they are – it is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Dan and I are really proud of Ace Killer and really happy with it. And so it was nice to be able to, you know, talk about it to people and people come by and be like, wow, what is this thing? You know, that that that, that, that sense of discovery from people was, was really cool. Oh, and my friend um, – on Saturday, my friend Corey Drew came with me. 
and he was our official Aquaman Shrine cosplay photographer for the day. So he just went around and took pictures of, like, every cosplayer. Um, it was cool kind of going to a show with him because he's a comic fan, but, like, he's really not been to too many Comic-Cons, and he was never one, he's never went to a Comic-Con of this size. Mm. So he was shocked that all <laughs> these people that he's heard of were just sitting there. You know? Oh, okay. I'm walking with him, and he's like, is that Mike Mignola? I'm like, yeah, that's Mike Mignola. He's like, oh, my God. You know, like, he was he couldn't believe that Mike Mignola just sits in the same room with the rest of us. You know, and I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm pointing things out. I'm like, hey, that's Peter David. He's like, oh, my God, that's Peter David. So it was, it was cool seeing it through his eyes because it's I would, like. I would be a convention virgin again. Exactly. I mean, I've been to so many of these shows that it's like, okay, yeah, there's George Perez. There's Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, whatever. Uh, but boy, by the way, Bill Sienkiewicz does not look anything like his artwork. <laughs> he should be terrifying. No, looking. he's a real nice guy. I asked him about doing an interview with him for the shrine, and he said, "Oh yeah, sure, whatever." He was—he could not have been nicer. Oh um, wow! Uh, yeah, it's so always said it was great to see uh, Ilderay again. Of course, um, he gave me a—I'm um, saying this to you, Shag. We already know it, of course. Telling this to yes. everybody else, he had a little, uh, little like uh, mini portfolio book that he was selling. Of, well, it's like, a sketchbook. It was a sketchbook. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he produces. He produces one each year. Okay. And it was like, what, how many pages? Like 10 pages, 12 pages, something like that? Dude, this is like 30 pages. Is it really longer? Okay. So he Easy. Had, he had a copy of it, and as soon as he saw me, he was like, oh, hey, come here. He's like, Rob, 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 come here. And um, he he said, oh, give this to Shag. And, and he started signing it to, to Shag, and he writes, he's like, 1G, right? I'm like, yeah, 1G. So uh, <laughs> so he gave it to me to get, to send to Shag, which, of course, I did. So it was like that, you know, that was great. And we, like I said, he did a sketch of one of our Ace Killer characters, which was phenomenal. So it, it's a great time. It's just a great, it's a great, great time. I'm, I'm sad that this will be the last, that was the last con that the guys, um, the Aquaman guys will be on Aquaman, but you know, they'll still, well, they'll still go to the show and they will be even a bigger deal next year when they're on justice league. And they'll so, still be drawing Aquaman. They'll still be drawing Aquaman. And Rod Reese is yeah. staying on Aquaman as we mentioned yeah. in the last show. So Rod, I'm, Rod I'm, is way I'm, too humble. I have to say, if, I don't know if Rod listens to the show. He is way too humble. Because we were like, oh, Rod, are you going to go to the Justice League panel and talk about He's like, because you're joining the book. He's like, no, nobody cares about the colorist. We're like, Rod, Aww. it's not true. You know, so he's very humble. He's way, way too humble. So he's awesome. I'm so happy that he's staying on Aquaman. And he's going to be doing Justice League, too. Well, I got to go back to mention Yildare for just a second. He is such an incredibly nice guy. I've never met him, and I'm jealous that you've met him twice now. He's been so generous to me. Uh, last year he gave you a sketch to give me. This year he gave me this beautiful sketchbook. Um, he's such an incredible artist. And he does, you know, if, if you're a matchhead, you may only know him from Firestorm, but his stuff on Legion of Superheroes, his original work, if you go out and, and follow him on Tumblr or Twitter, you can see some of the original characters he comes up with, original designs and original stories he's working on. The guy's an amazing storyteller. He really is. Yep. And uh, just such great work. And, and a very um, handsome man. And there you go. Apparently he's a handsome man. So um, I just wish I could meet him in person and thank him. So anyway, nice guy. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what so else? Man, we, what else we tell? What else we want to talk about? Well, I want I want you to tell me because I don't know a lot about this. I saw on the there was like this fish man website I was on, and they had a bunch of pictures of these Kia cars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that have been painted by like in DC style or something. Yeah, they did this line of uh, Kia did this line of DC Justice League cars, and each of the five, not the five, the four, no five, five male Justice League members each got their own car, um, their own tricked out 
little Kia car. And there is, in fact, an Aquaman car. And it's got scales on it, and it's green and yellow on the inside, orange on the outside. Um, if you look, I mean, like the, the leather's tricked out with, yeah. like, the Aquaman A on the yeah. seat? Yeah, shit. there's a trident, like, little, like a, like a, like a plaque. Not a plaque, but yeah, I'm trying to, you know. Not, not well, like, you, like, like you'd have a, 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 like a Ford symbol on the side of your car. Yeah, it's got I a trident. Yeah, it, there's a trident. And if you flip the hatchback, there's like the window and there's a trident. And then in the back, there's a collage of Aquaman comic book art. And it's all by stuff by the boys. Um, so it's a, it's an amazing car. I mean, it's like, is, is, is it a one-off or do they actually sell these things? No, it's not. It's not some mass-produced item. It's some – I don't even exactly know what it was for. It's clearly obviously just a promotional thing. But apparently okay. you can, like, buy it. I guess well, if I'm you sure were you wealthy, can. you know, you could go and buy it. It's um, probably going to go – probably cheaper than the normal model of that car goes. I mean, it's, it is Aquaman. Um, but, yeah, they've done a Superman one, a Batman one. An is there Aquaman a Firestorm one. car? No, there is not. Well, they, they don't make a car cool enough yet. Yeah, so. that's what it is. Uh, it certainly would be on a Kia. He can't sell but, a uh, car. Sell a car. And, oh, man. You started damn. it. <laughs> you know what? You started it back in 2001, and I just – I haven't finished it yet, okay? Anyway. Um, yeah, you're like Florida. taking forever to get something done. God. You just don't – Boom. <laughs> Is that your mic drop? Is it's going to do my mic drop. That's called a runner in the business. <laughs> but there was like a cyborg car even. Was there a cyborg car? There was. So I, there, okay. there had to be more than just a five because was, there was Superman, Batman. There was no Wonder uh, Woman car. I remember that because I remember a lot of people were like, what the hell? Yeah, like, why, why is there a well, Wonder Woman car? Boys and cars. I mean, it's just the way it works. That's Superman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, uh, Aquaman. So, yeah, yeah, it had to be six of them because there okay. was a cyborg car. Okay. Poor Frank. So, no Martian Manhunter car. Oh. Well, poor, poor Luke, no Hawkman car. Poor Sean, no Captain Carrot car. You know, poor, <laughs> poor Ryan, no Black Canary car. I mean, you know, there's, no there's a whole Cap- plethora of us on no our Captain side. No Captain Carrot car. That sentence well, has never been said before. There's a, well, he may have had a mobile in one issue of the comic. I'm not sure. sure. We'll have sure. to ask Sean. But uh, there's a whole plethora of us bloggers that got nothing out of the deal here. You know, like, I could throw it back in you and go, no Phantom Stranger car. You know, and... <laughs> So, but I thought they were pretty cool, and uh, yeah, I, you, I really got the sense from when you posted it, you were just like so stunned, you didn't even know what to do. I didn't have anything to say about it. I was just like, I'm looking at an Aquaman car. I don't really understand what I'm looking at, so here's just the pictures. What's your road? Let's see what else. Uh, oh, I was going to talk about how I've been two timing you here and there. Um, we have a loosey goosey sort of agenda of stuff. That's why we're kind of referring to it. I, I've uh, I've been lucky enough to appear on a number of different podcasts recently, and I just thought I'd take a second to plug some real shows. Um, I appeared uh, over in the summer over over on the Fortress of Bailey to um, the Views from the Lawn Box. Uh, Mike Bailey did a whole season of uh, Summer of Spider Man, at least until he stopped doing them, uh, but. It was. Uh, we did this great episode where we talked about Spider-Man villains. It was a real, a real fun time getting me and Mike, Mike back together after a long time. So uh, Spider-Man villains, and then he and I also did a Batman's Bailey's podcast or Bailey's Batman podcast. That's his new show that's completely focused on Batman, and that's over at Bailey's Batman podcast. And uh, we talked about just kind of random, kind of like we're doing now. It's all random, but it was related to Batman stuff. We talked about action figures and comic runs and some issues. And let me tell you, I am dying to read Scott Snyder's run on Batman. Um, this is totally seg- segueing somewhere else, but I really want to pick up like the detective comics he did with. 
Dick Grayson right before the New 52. Mm-hmm. And then I want to get up the, the Court of Owls because, I mean, I'm not a big Batman guy anymore. But dang, Schneider knows how to write a comic. And those look really good. I've heard nothing but good things. Um, also appeared on uh, in the Two True Feek Two True Easy for me to say Two True Freaks feed. Um, there's a nice young lady named Hope Mullinex who does a show called Hope of All Trades, and she and I got together and uh, we her talked about is, Doctor. What is her name? Hope Mullinex. That's a great name. It is, isn't it? That's she like a like, comic book name. Yeah, exactly. She's like you know a a, a space age jet you know rocket pack hero. You know, Jeez, she should be running Star Labs or something. Yeah, exactly. So she's really nice, and we got together and we chatted about Doctor Who. It's actually our second time we've done it. She refers to me as her arch nemesis. Uh, however, on the oh, show, her too, right? I, there's a there's a pattern of me in podcasting. If you if you don't know, um, <laughs> but she uh, we talked about Doctor Who the most recent season, and we had a good time and chatted about that. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. So. And then uh, I also have been fortunate enough, I was invited by the folks over at Newsarama to write some reviews for them. So far, I've had um, three or four, four reviews published by them. So uh, kind of cool. And that's over at the Best Shots team. So uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've done one, but um, I did uh, did a few. And uh, I'm hoping to get back on that horse and write a few more for them. So that, that Congratulations was, oh. on that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so I was pretty excited about it. So basically it just goes to show that, you know, um, when I'm not doing really important things like all of that, I'm slumming, slumming with Rob. So you're not going to put a little bump bump somewhere? I don't get anything. All right. No, you don't get anything. Well, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Luke Giaconetti. He's, uh, he's doing a thing in November here, uh, where he is celebrating war comics. Uh, Have you looked into any of this yet? Yeah, I, I'm aware of it. Yes. Okay. Um, he's uh, – see, that was sort of a segue for you to fill air because I have to pull up the email from oh, him. You can say so. something. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, Luke – jeez. Luke uh, does the Being Carter Hall blog, which, of course, is all about Being Carter Hall. So – and Luke is always involved in the, the you know the multiple blog team-ups that we do, which we'll be talking about that uh, shortly after this. But he's doing a separate thing uh, – Can uh, Tied into Veterans Day, which is November Sunday, November 11th, which is he's going to be talking about war comics throughout November. Are you ready now? Did I fill enough time? No, my email wait, provider's wait, really wait. is really slow. Way to prepare, yes. Shag. Well, I, what I have to look up is the hashtag because I don't know it off. You the top belong of in it. Florida. He's not ready for anything. Just, just oh my! Who put together these 17 pages of feedback? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll take that apology now. Um, You're not going to get one. Fine, I'm just going to wing this here. <laughs> Luke's yelling at his iPod right now. It's right in front of you, dumbass! Anyway. <laughs> Why does Luke sound like a grizzled prospector? <laughs> he, well, if you if you ever read any of his posts over on the Unique Geek, he kind of is. There's gold, gold, I tell you. <laughs> in these Carolina mountains, right? <laughs> Lord. Okay, Luke doesn't sound anything like that, guys. No, Actually, Luke- he doesn't. Luke's got gravitas, actually. He's got a really good deep voice. He does a podcast, Earth, Direct, uh, Earth Destruction Directive, and uh, he's got some he's got some chops. Okay, so um, yeah, he, he's basically he's not actually doing anything on his blog. He's he's doing it through Twitter and Google Plus, and the hashtag is just Pound War Comics Month. So if you t- if you go to Twitter and type in War Comics Month, 
you can find he's done a lot of different posts. He just kind of like he's also listed some sites to where you can read uh, old Golden Age, you know, World War II comics for free because there's a lot of sites now where they've they've gone into I guess public domain or I guess I don't know if it's public domain. <laughs> I don't think they're public domain. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't been seventy five years, sorry. Uh but the uh but for whatever reason the comics are publicly available now. They're I guess no copyright owner to sue people who put it out there or whatever. But there's a lot of places you can read these old war comics, and it's a lot of fun. I, uh, I threw my hat in the ring for two of my favorite war comics, which is uh The War That Time Forgot. Is uh just they're ridiculous. They're 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 silly. They're not nearly as deep as something like Unknown Soldier and everything, but it's soldiers fighting dinosaurs. It's just that's awesome. <laughs> That's your elevator pitch right there. Right. I mean, you don't need to sell anymore. In fact, DC's tried to bring it back twice in the last few years. And then the other was I actually found through doing our Who's Who episodes is the Enemy Ace, so, nice. which is a very different war comic oh, in yeah. that it's all from the perspective from the German pilot in World War One. A, so. a classic strip. A classic by Joe Cooper. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really good stuff. And you sit there and you read it and you're like, God, this was done in the 60s and it's just really, you know, affects you and is powerful and the arts just doesn't doesn't feel old. You know, maybe because it's a set piece in a certain time, I'm not sure. But anyway. But they'll be talk he'll be talking about uh Blackhawks and you know he's also gonna do some stuff focusing on service humor stuff is what he's calling it. So you're gonna get some sad sack and Beetle Bailey and stuff like that too. Right. So it's gonna be fun. Check it out. And, and speaking of so we're talking about crossovers, I mentioned them earlier. Uh we did uh, on Halloween uh, Shag and I were involved in a multiple blog crossover, which was the brainchild of Lantern Cast's Chad Bokelman, who we mentioned earlier. And we all covered, most of us covered the Ghosts Annual, which DC put out in the, in the uh, what is it, like the late, or the early? 90, 98. 98, where it was, you know, all like a, you know, ghost theme related stories for, for everybody. But then for those characters that didn't have a Ghost Annual, like Firestorm, everybody sort of contrived their own Halloween-ish type post and i even got my other blog i am the phantom stranger involved where i posted some phantom stranger cosplay because i mean i really couldn't not have the phantom stranger be involved in a halloween crossover <laughs> so and- i i picked out the uh fury of firestorm number 32 which is where the ghost of shoe shine comes back and uh actually invades the firestorm matrix he's the he's really the first person besides ronnie and and the and jace um, ronnie and the professor that ever Entered the Firestorm Matrix. He comes in as a ghost, yanks Professor Stein out, and puts himself in, and sort of takes over the Firestorm body for a little while. And um, so I sort of repurposed that as a as a ghost annual. Right, right. It was funny when I first saw the cover. I was like, Oh wow, they did a ghost. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> like you had me there for a second. <laughs> that's impressive because it was a really bad Photoshop job. Yeah. So I, I don't pay that much attention to your blog. So it was right. Oh, thank you so much. But anyway, but, uh, but Chad really arranged quite a huge group. Um, I mean, it was us and then the aforementioned Luke, and we had the, the who else? Kelson from Speed Force, Michael Bailey. There's there's, there's 18 blogs involved. Well, no, that, well, no, there, there was 18 just counting Franks, and then there was more than <laughs> that. Um, and you keep saying Chad from Lantern Cast. You know, uh, I'm sorry. Forget that. It's Chad from the Ragman blog. No, that's man. right. That's right. He has launched a new blog uh, for Ragman, which is just freaking awesome. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of it specifically. I don't remember the exact name of the of the site. Shoot, I'll I, don't get, I'll... Think, I don't even think it's up yet. I don't even think he's. Oh no! And hell yes, it is. It was part of the crossover. Well, no, no, it's up. But I mean, I don't think he's. Po- I think I think other than the one post for the crossover, I don't think he. I don't think there's any other content on it. Is what I mean. Oh, okay. Well, I. Uh... 
I have to tell um, – this isn't even going to show up in the feedback because this just happened an hour or two ago. I, I'm pissed at Chad right now. Um, have you read this yet, what I'm about to talk about? I don't think so. He did uh, this great post today uh, called the 2012 Blog Reader Appreciation Award. Oh, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, he goes on and talks about um, some different blogs that he likes, and he mentions his first and second one. First one, by the way, is Firestorm Fan. Aquaman trying gets second billing. Anyway, um, he mentions the Firewater podcast, and uh, he says – what does he say here? Um, Rob's been – no, where is it? Um, Aquaman Shrine is run by the other half of Firestorm fan. Uh, I'm sorry, Fire and Water podcast team. And uh, it says Rob. And then some say the better half. <laughs> so, implying that you're the better half. Like, what the hell is that? I don't think he's implying it. I think he's flat out saying it. <sighs> by the way, Chad's Ragman blog is called thesuitofsouls.blogspot.com. That's so freaking awesome. That's great. So, I love it. I, say, I think for like every DC character should have their own blog. <laughs> like every single one. I, I, I challenge you, Brother Power of the Geek fans. <laughs> Chlorophyll Kid, bring it. Later, there you go. Let's see it. Um, and, and I'm going to try and mention a lot of the blogs as we go through today just because, you know, we love our, our what we call the Justice League of Blogosphere. So we just love our, our friends out there. So, But, yeah, the, um, the Halloween crossover was a lot of fun. I think everyone involved had a great time. It's definitely worth your time. Check it out. Go back to our Halloween posts. And go out there and check out, again, 18 different blogs involved in this thing. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, it was. I always like doing those. They're a lot of work. They're kind of, you know what I mean? Kind of like tying it all in. But they're always fun when you get to launch it. And, you know, people get to sort of hop around the Internet and all these different blogs and stuff. So it was fun. And part of the concept of doing, behind doing the crossovers is, I mean, that's what happens in comic books. You know? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All the characters get together and they have a big team up. So that's kind of, in essence, what this is. Yeah, it was fun. I made up a, um, I made up a graphic. You know, featuring all the characters, usually mostly Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, stock art. And uh, it was funny because, like, as the blog, as the team up rolled on, they kept we kept adding characters. You're right. <laughs> the logo got more and more crowded. And at a certain point, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm done adding characters. So then I sent the logo off to everybody, which you, you used it on your post. Thank yeah. you. And some of the people used it. And I noticed when Frank used it, he added characters to it on top of it. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he added Vixen and Adam and all these other characters. So it's like, <laughs> it just got like, it got it became like a who's who cover, you know? It just became like this massively crowded logo. It's so, like a little kid when they go to the yogurt shop and they're just picking all the different toppings. Yeah. It <laughs> just don't stop. <laughs> so thanks, thanks to Chad for organizing that and for including us. It was a lot of fun. Hey, and Chad, nuclear. There. Let's bring it, man. Okay? Go. All right. Uh, so. All right. Well, why don't we? Um, we're going to take, take a break. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Um, you're going to listen to a, a very fun uh, TV theme song from a show. Some of you probably don't recall, or probably most of you don't even recall, or I barely recall it. So uh, you can enjoy that, and it's only going to be about thirty seconds, and then uh, you're going to come right back, and we're going to do our mammoth listener feedback roundup. So you're going to play the Aquaman cartoon theme. <laughs> See you in thirty seconds. His power was born in a cosmic storm. Every molecule charged with might. Powers that enable him to change his molecular structure to steel, to granite, 
or whatever the need requires. The great desire to serve his country in the cause of justice has brought James Norcross to the highest office in the land as Super President. Super President! All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for... Listener's Feedback! And let me tell you, folks, this is a mammoth, mammoth, mammoth-sized edition. An 80-page giant, you might say. Yes, it is, because we've got um, three episodes to cover, plus we only did half of a previous episode last time we did listener feedback, so... Strap in, boys. That's right. Now, um, we've organized it a little bit differently. Uh, we did this for our Who's Who episode and kind of liked the format, so we're going to try and keep it going here. Rather than sit there and go through each social media platform and go, here's what happened on Google, here's what happened on Facebook, um, we've actually split it up by person. So when we sit down to talk about Luke Giaconetti, you know, we're going to cover all his stuff that he said on whatever platform or whatever and just kind of gets it, lumps it together, makes it a little more uh, logical by person. So, All right. All right. Uh, well, I was going to start off with Luke, actually. That's why I picked on him, because I've got some fun stuff here. Um, he left me a comment over on, on Firestorm Fan when he was talking about episode 32, where we talked about the zero issues. He said he picked up Firestorm number zero this past Friday, and he thought it was very well done. It was a nice sign-off to the protocol storyline and sowing the seeds for the once-again merged Firestorm. So, glad he enjoyed number zero. I think Joe Harris and Gilderay and Marlo did a great job on that issue and uh, really set things up for Dan. He uh, he mentioned later on he was going back and forth with Frank. You know, surprise, Luke and Frank are fighting. Um, this Diablo Frank, by the way. So Luke uh, came in and said, uh, returning to the brightest day setup, meaning for Firestorm, is the correct move and really what should have they should have done from the start. You still could have a run of the protocol storyline with that setup, and it would have made a smoother move from what was popular take on the characters in the Maxi series. And you know... You know, and, and that's his comment. There's some truth to that. If they had started off just with Brightest Day and transitioned to the Protocol storyline, it probably would have been better accepted. Uh, he really enjoyed our Dan Jurgens interview. He said he really liked Dan's story about meeting Mike Grell and getting his foot in the door on Warlord. And um, he also liked Dan's theory about bringing a character back to their roots insofar as it's uh, what purpose were they supposed to serve when they were created. He says he's a sucker for back-to-basic sort of heroics, and Dan Jorgens has always been good at that. So I agree completely with what you said, Luke, and uh, it'd be nice if someone would do that with Hawkman. But I'm bummed. It would be nice. Uh, Luke runs, as we said earlier, the Bean Carter Hall blog. Why uh, is it so hard to do a Hawkman comic? I don't know. Interplanetary space cop, hot redhead wife, giant mace, done. It, it, you, right. I mean, <laughs> and he flies. Why, why, so. like, why is that so hard to do? I don't understand why everybody needs to reinvent well, the wheel. I'll throw it at you. Why is it so hard to do Aquaman comic? Well, it's not. It, it, it clearly is hard to do a successful Aquaman comic. It's, well. it, they're doing it right now. But, I mean, there's been a lot of failures along the line. Yes, there has. So, I'm just saying, they're just going to take the right people, and it's probably not Rob Liefeld to do it. No. So. Uh, Luke gave us a shout out on Google Plus, liked some of our posts there, and uh, left you a comment on Google Plus. He says, uh, on the episode with Aquaman number 12, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is directed specifically at me, Shaq. That's why I love it. Yeah, I'm sure. On the episode with Aquaman number 12, you managed to read my comment without actually saying my name. Thanks. <laughs> um, he, he said he was thinking, huh, that sounds like something I would say. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> 
Patrick M. Patrick uh, left us a nice note over on Firestorm Fan talking about the Zero Issues. He said he thought Shag's interpretation of how Helix came to be was interesting and, and was something he hadn't considered. I, I, I had – what's that? I'm laughing. Just, just keep going. I want you to make sure you read the last couple sentences. Of this I'm thing. going to. Uh, <laughs> I had speculated that Helix, when he returned in Firestorm number Zero, was uh, actually a, a creation of Jason or Firestorm by accident. So, Anyway, he says uh, he hadn't considered that. And it was the only what's going on moment as he read the book initially. He said he liked all the stories so far, but this was a good way to break from the first 12 issues and a fresh start. So one other thing about the podcast. At one point, Rob said something about canceling the check to the skydiving school for not finishing the job. By the way, this is in reference to me going skydiving on my birthday. Um, and I survived, and Rob was pissed about this. Uh, back into Patrick's comments here. What they did accomplish in injuring Shag's butt immediately reminded me of a line from books and movies that I'll paraphrase here. Rob wrote a check that Shag's butt couldn't cash. And I'm out. Yeah, that was my favorite part. It's a mic drop. It's the mic drop. <laughs> I, just, I just love Patrick's mic drop. Uh, why don't you do Diablo Frank's comments about Aquaman? Uh, okay, let's... Oh, good Lord. Okay, um... This is our good friend Diablo Frank, who runs Frank. five different, five or six. Jeez, Ad- there's Wonder well, Woman, what? Adam. Well, we can say the Idle Head of Diablo. Yeah. There's uh, New Adventures of Wonder Woman. The Dust- New Adventures Dust- of Wonder Diana Dust- Prince, Dust- Wonder Woman. Yeah, Dust League Detroit. New Adventures Dust- of the Adam, or yep. no, New Adventures of Wonder Woman, Power of the Adam. The Power of the Adam. Bloodlines. Uh, DC Bloodlines, and is it just the five? I, I I'm sure there's more. Just the five. Just the five. Uh, he said, I'm not sure how I feel about the new 52 Ocean Master. It does make a lot more sense for someone named Orm Marius to be the product of an Atlantean union in Poseidonus rather than a human union based on land. That is true. Aquaman is more likable as the mutt rather than the Aryan attacking Eskimo with plainly inferior abilities. That's also true. I will miss the aspect of Orm as a sympathetic half-brother slighted by life, which was cons- which was consistent in previous incarnations regardless of the varied circumstances. I'm also on record as hating any time Aquaman is treated as royalty, which is too on the nose for his looks and makes me even more of a prince named more ripoff. I do seem to recall Rob saying he did think he was going to play the brother's angle in a previous podcast. See? See? Everyone everyone remembers you going, no, they're not going to be related. Yeah, yeah, great great imitation of me. That's exactly Uh, what you sound like. Skipping ahead, he says, I don't mind Shag being a horn dog. He calls himself Shag, proof in advertising. (laughs) It's a, I, I was going to read that. I'm so excited about that. Everyone gives me crap when I say like somebody's hot or attractive, and there it is. It's a good point. It's right out there, guys. It's irredeemable, which means I can say anything I freaking want without apologizing okay. for it. And shag. Look it up. British dictionaries. Yeah. Uh, continuing, I liked Michael Bailey's alternate opening. Michael has a good radio voice, and combining Superman and Aquaman is a natural, especially now that the Seeking doesn't have to slum with the C-list anymore. Aww. Michael Bailey should be the official fill-in guy during absences in the standard Fire and Water Potrex Matrix, like an issue of DC Comics presents. <laughs> Shag does a solid Optimus Prime. Shame Optimus Prime sucks, only slightly less than the whole <sighs> damn stupid property. Yes! <laughs> Here we go. Autobots, transform and roll out. They're just junky toy vehicles that turn into awkward toy robots. That's a limited t- novelty factor. I like superheroes and still look down on new people. Ooh, <laughs> a stinger on the stinker. Well played, Rob. Oh, jeez. And he, he also, he'll, I'm sorry. 
No, go ahead. You also left a comment on Aquaman trying about the Dan Jurgens interview. It took me several days to start listening this time. Listening took place over several more days, and that happened several days ago. I have to <laughs> issue, I like good big word, specific points and just say that Dan Jurgens came across as a total class act who seemed very positive about the industry and his history in it. Great job, guys. Gave it, And he gave us a shout-out over on his DC Bloodline site. That was great. Yeah, thank you for that. He, he really plugged us over there. But, yeah, he's right. Dan was a total class yes, act. Yes, he was. Oh. Such a great guest. Such a great guy. One point I want to make about uh, Frank before we move on to the next one is a lot of people took me to task for making fun of Frank in the last couple of shows because they're kind of slamming on Frank. But if you look, you'll notice that, you know, when after Frank guessed, guessed it on the show, which was like episode 15, I think, like that was not a popular show. People thought he sort of took over and like we didn't talk enough or whatever. But through my incessant slamming of him, people now want him back on the show because they feel bad. Which you could maybe <laughs> would suggest was my plot all along, because now people are eagerly awaiting Frank to come back, which is what Shag and I wanted to do in the first place. And so, he's coming back. And he's coming back. It, but it, I, but it, I think I've turned the audience in, in, favorably towards his return when before they were not. But then they're going to listen to it, and they're like, oh, it is a blind monkey who's taking control of the school bus. <laughs> they're going to remember all of that. So, Still, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I, I used a bit of like reverse psychology to get people back on board. And I'll say, you know what, I'll just say it, you know, screw y'all, we, we finished that episode and had so much fun, oh, and both did. Rob and I listened back to that episode, it's like, the one I've listened times. to back the most, yeah. It's so much fun, and, you know, we, so he's, he was a great guest, and he's, he's just this fount of information, I just love the, the crazy tidbits that comes out of his insane uh, brain. Yep, yep. Um, heard from Keith Samra, uh, our, one of our buddies over in New Zealand, um, he wrote, he, he, we've been talking a lot about, we get a lot of letters that say, you guys are our second favorite podcast. I'm like, what? You're really going to write us that? Like, you're my second favorite girlfriend is kind of how that makes you feel. So uh, he, he wrote us a notice. says, this should make Rob, Baba, and Shagika happy. The Firewater podcast is my favorite podcast about Firestorm and Aquaman. Because people, they don't know how to spell a down there. They use. They're, they're like Canadians with their use. Anyway, uh, Rob is my favorite award-winning podcaster. Shag is my favorite irredeemable podcaster. Waterlogs is my favorite name for Aqua fans. Ha! Take that, Aquanauts. Uh, Matchheads is my favorite name for Firestorm fans. But let's try Toastmasters. That's pretty clever. I do like Toastmasters. Uh, he had some observations about uh, Firestorm number zero. He asked, was Jason's pinky finger seem like it was melting when he took his hands off the Bunsen burner? I'm going to have to go back and check that out. I don't know. He said he does agree with me that he thinks Jason was responsible for the reappearance of Helix. And he, and he noticed it because when Jason and Ronnie touched, they formed Firestorm. And, and, you know, the speculation now is can they touch without becoming Firestorm? You know, is it a, you know, an accidental thing or can it be Xan and Jaina where they turn the powers on and off? But they said uh, Jason and Ronnie can't make physical contact with one another. I wonder what would happen if they came into contact with other possible ex-Firestorm protocol members, which is an interesting idea. Because we found out that, you know, they could merge with protocol members in previous issues. Now, I don't know that Dan's really going to focus in on that too much, but uh, it would be interesting to see. Uh, yeah. Goes, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, he goes on and talks about Aquaman. Yes, I talks about Aquaman number zero. If Arthur seeks out his mother after the death of his father and then heads to Atlantis after meeting Volko, does that mean he joins the others after his initial time in Atlantis? I believe that's what that means. The story takes place six years earlier, but the dude on the ship states to Arthur that, Arthur, that they live in a world of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Yet the first appearance of the Justice League and its members is five years earlier. 
Am I wrong in assuming that the timeline is not marrying up? I think I think you're right about that, Keith. <laughs> I need to look at it a little more carefully, but I think you're right. I think the, the timeline does get a little wonky there. That's a good point. Uh, um, I love he enjoyed. His, oh, Go ahead. Sorry. I love his Twitter comment that he mentioned. Fantastic new episode of the Fire and Water podcast by Firestone Friend and Aquaman Shrine. Yours truly gets mentioned at least thirty times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's over at Kellel Samra yes. up on Twitter. And uh, he, he, thanked, he said the Dan Jurgens interview was really good. Now here's one. <laughs> he wrote, could Superman, the Superman 4 bad guy, Nuclear Man, uh, Nuclear Man, be counted as a live-action version of Firestorm? The answer to that is categorically no. Yeah, I, I was going to wonder where you were going to call down, and, uh, down on that. You know, I might just kick you out of the Match Hut Club for even suggesting <laughs> such. Uh, we got a great le- series of bits here, and, and I'm actually going to let um, – I was going to call you Frank. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for that. Ryan Daly, Caltron Gilla. Who yes, runs- I'm going to let Rob take this, but I got to, I got to pimp uh, his f- – well, we'll talk about it in a second. I'm sorry. You go ahead and do the Aquaman bit. Well, yeah. He, well, I was, say, he, I was going to say he runs a Black Canary blog called – it's at blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com called Flowers and Fishnest, which is a great name for a Black Canary blog. And yeah, it's absolutely. One of those, it's one of those things that if you don't know the Black Canary character, you're like, Flowers? What's that about? But it's, just, it's a great little – you know, the alliteration is great, but it's a great little callback that if you know the character, you know why it's appropriate. Um, and uh, since you said his name, i just going to have to say it one more time. Count Drunkula. Count Drunkula. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> All left, right. He left a comment about the Robot Chicken episode. Aqua Punch. This should be your <laughs> tag for every episode of this podcast from now on. Thanks for the commentary, guys. You hit upon two of my favorite bits in the special. Aventur's corpse being mauled by bears. <laughs> and Wildcat versus Dark Side. I'm going to have to watch that thing again. That thing was I do so want to watch that again, yeah. Uh, uh, he mentioned on Firestorm, he said, he, apparently he's all on the taglines now. It's a shag. I think from now on you should end every episode of the podcast, if not every blog post, with Firestorm shouting, <laughs> now where the bleep is big? Is that how you say it? The little squirrel guy that took like over it. for Chip? Yeah. So, uh, so my only com- complaint about your commentary of the episode is that you neglected to credit the actor who voiced the – a odorous Glenn and the object of Firestorm's ire, Mr. Banjo. <laughs> they are voiced by Emmy uh, winner Aaron Paul, one of the stars of Breaking Bad. Since I don't watch Breaking Bad, I didn't know that. So there you go. I do watch Breaking Bad, and I still didn't know. <laughs> uh, he wrote about Firestorm Zero. He said it was his favorite issue of the series since the first one. There were still um, things, a lot of things, that he didn't like about it. But overall, he was excited about the new status of the merch Firestorm, and he gave him plenty to look forward to. Now, uh, the reason why I paused earlier is because he actually wrote us this great letter about his blog. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just going to read this because you know, he took the time to write this. So, I mean, figure, you know, why waste the pixels? Uh, I always appreciate your comments on the new issues as well as your not-at-all-veiled hostility towards each other. What? <laughs> Rob, I mean, do we have a problem with each other? I don't think so. I, I don't know what your problem, buddy. Anyway, it makes for fun listening during a long commute or, or a strenuous cardio session at the gym, I would imagine, because I don't do either of these things. What I do do now is host my own fan blog dedicated to DC's Black Canary. Uh, it's an idea I've toyed around with for roughly a year since discovering your websites and podcasts. The terrific work each of you do at the Aquaman Shrine and Firestorm fan, along with Luke's Bean Carter Hall and Frank's Martian Martian head of Diablo, Wonder Woman, Adam, and Motown Justice League. Fans. I love that. I love That's that great. Idea. It inspired me to start one of my own. As you mentioned, as we said, it's Flowers and Fishnets, a Black Canary blog, which is blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com. Um, it says, hopefully someday it can be a fraction of the comprehensive and informative fun your sites are. Until then, I hope you don't mind if from time to time I come to you with technical or stylistic questions. Fan the flame and ride the dolphin, nuclear subs. 
And uh, his P.S. here. This is uh, great. Can either can either of you think of a downside to calling my Black Canary fan community chokers? I can't think of any negative connotation that it might have, but maybe I'm missing something. I imagine I, I imagine Ryan is sort of like a Richie Cunningham, very naive person by from that comment. Or maybe he's more like uh, Fonzie, and he knows exactly what he's saying. I, I, I prefer the, to believe the former. <laughs> we heard from our buddy Robert Gross, who goes by uh, Martin Stein, R.I.P. On the Firestorm numbers zero issue, he said he agrees with Shag. I, there's a lot of people agreeing with me. You should, I like this. This should happen more often. Anyway, I completely agree with Shag's idea how Helix came back is very interesting, and it hadn't occurred to him. I hope that this is what it was because it's much more interesting than if the real Helix just reactivated somehow. He also gave us a, a – he liked one of our posts over on Facebook. We got an email from Lou Russell Burbage from um, Intercourse, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> What? And uh, he had the comment on the Robot Chicken episode. Fun episode. It's always a pleasure to hear you guys chat for an hour or two or four. I think we're up to five in this we're episode. up to five, and we may have something in the offing later on that will be even longer than that. Um, now, that's entertainment. Rob, I think that Michael Bailey kid is a good replacement. Nice choice. P.S. Very happily surprised by my call out. Thanks, guys. I don't know that I'm too comfortable with all the people saying this Michael Bailey. Everybody is ready to dump you and bring in Michael Bailey. I'm, I'm Hell. happy about this. It's good. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, um, he also said he, he laughed really hard. And when he watched the episode, he chuckles whole way through the commentary. And he wants to go watch it again. Entertaining as always. He actually said, nice commentary. Shag. Nothing about Rob. Nice commentary, Shag. Uh, entertaining as always. He signed it. He signed another email that he uh, comment they left in Uncle Shrine that he's from Edina, Minnesota. <laughs> Great. And then he ends it with "Hey o kaki tate name o nore," which is "Fan the flames, ride the waves" in Japanese. Very cool. I love. It. I want to have that in like every language known to man. That would be great. <laughs> Um, he's very happy. Uh, another comment on Firestorm Fan, when, after issue 13, he's very happy with what's going on there. He says it's, uh, he agrees with Craig's comments because, uh, it's a return of two guys and one to one superhero. Um, he said, finally, the two guys are both the same age and around the same places. So they won't be the messy Stein, uh, Ronnie mashups. Also, uh, they remember that they're Firestorm. So there won't be any of that whole odd, am I an alcoholic melodrama, which he's referring to when Professor Stein would black out. Couldn't remember being Firestorm. But I also agree with Rob that this reads more like a comic book and less like a horror movie. I'd be happy if characters didn't have flying pens into their brain, Shag. <laughs> I didn't write it. Jeez. Um, I have to say that the first character I thought of when I saw the shadowed old guy was General Immortus. Uh, I think Rob even mentioned that. Not sure why he would be after Firestorm, but that's who I thought of. And actually, you know, I totally get that because he does look like General Immortus. I mean, there's, there's old guys and then there's shriveled old guys with just a couple of wispy hairs. And General Immortus is one of the few that falls into that second category. So, He also said that he thought my comment about uh, Dan and Ryan um, – I'm sorry, Dan Jurgens and Ray McCarthy's artwork resembled Neil Adams was spot on. And he totally heard Firestorm in my voice when, I, when he says, she's hot. <laughs> so he's reading the comic and he hears me say, she's hot. And he, uh, he was uh, kind enough to like some of our posts over on Facebook. Uh, we got a comment from Earth 2 Chris, who is the first ever phone member. I think I mention that every time. Um, he was like, hey, guys, where's the Who's Who podcast? I love those things. <laughs> so, well, we uh, and this that comment was written a while ago, so now you've had your wish. <laughs> yeah, he did do, yeah, he did do number four, so, yeah. So, Which, uh, sorry, about, sorry, about the de- sorry for the delay there, Chris. Yeah, you know, it really was a long time in between Who's Who, and we are going to get back on track with those, and we yeah. really – 
God, we have so much fun doing those. We do. We do. We do. We it's, do. A, it's an absolute blast. It's, kind of, it's almost to some extent like this episode because we get to talk about so much more than just our usual stuff. So, uh, got an email from Daniel Cynical Adams where um, composer of our theme song. Yes, yeah. and, and he has a partner. Don't forget that. He so, um, he was underwhelmed by the Robot Chicken special, and he goes on to kind of explain how he felt like maybe the DC was pulling their punches. Uh, he didn't like the way Aquaman is portrayed, but he did say Firestorm came off as a badass. So, uh, you know, go, that's awesome. And I will. He says he believes I will be buried with my prized Hal Jordan birthday card. He received the exact same card from his mother, so it rocks. Now, the irony there of you being buried with a card yeah. featuring Ryan Reynolds was Ryan Reynolds was in the movie Buried, where he's buried alive. Oh, Lord. It's, uh, it's like hanging with Michael Bailey. You know, so many random, so much crap, random crap, useless crap. crap. I think it's random. <laughs> um, further proof, I like this, it goes on later on. Um, he says the new artist on Aquaman should be Ethan Van Skyver, which leads me to say, further proof of Rob hating things that I love. <laughs> He's a Phillies fan. I'm a Mets fan. I'm just not, it's just not meant to be. That said, the Cynical and Shag podcast has a fantastic ring to it. I promise to back up Shag on his comments in regard to the fair sex, as I recognize his underlying respect for their strength and invaluable contributions to the comic book world, in addition to his appreciation for their extra <laughs> beauty. So there. Dan, you're so eloquent. You are welcome any day. So. I, I think, I, I, see a, I see a split up a split up in the offing, a Dean, a Martin and Lewis type split up, where I go <laughs> off with Michael Bailey and you go with Dan. So, so. We'll have better theme songs. That's, um, that's, that is true. We got, we got a comment from uh, Mike Gillis. He left it on the Zero Issues. Oh my, didn't expect to hear my name mentioned. <laughs> um, I, I, like this other one he, I like the other one where he said, I just got quoted on the Aquaman Firestorm podcast. I think I just unlocked an Xbox Live nerd achievement. I have no idea what that means, but I kind of get the idea behind it. So, And then he mentioned it again on Twitter. So Mike was very happy that he, that he got quoted. So he's going to be even triply happy we mentioned him again here. Right. Um, Boosterific, which is our buddy Walter, uh, who runs the Boosterific.com. It's a great site dedicated to Booster Gold. He, <laughs> we talked with Dan Jurgens about, um, about cosplaying Booster Gold, and we had a photo of a young lady who, uh, named Shelly, who was wearing the Booster Gold costume. <laughs> and, and, uh, Walter comes back and goes, ahem, if something, if someone were paying attention to detail, she'd be wearing the flight ring on her right hand, not her left. Yes, I'm that guy. Uh, he also was nice enough to give us a shout-out over on his site, uh, which is Boosterific. Uh, he gave us a really, really nice shout-out and uh, mentioned us on Twitter. So thanks for that. Keith G. Baker. Keith, uh, and I think I've told you this before, Keith is uh, one of the inspirations for the creation of Firestorm Fan. He had his own site called The Nuclear, Ma- um, the Nuclear Fan. And uh, it was a fan site, and he and I communicated a little bit about it, and it really made me want to do a Firestorm site, and I never could get up the gumption to do it though and i never wanted to you know step on his toes and then he he let it go after a while and then i stumbled across your silly little site and uh that's kind of you know how it made it happen so keith is sort of like the the godfather the grandfather of firestorm fan so um he uh he's all over social media this guy's nuts I mean, he's on facebook he's on twitter he's on google plus he, he was kind to us on all the social media platforms which is awesome thank you so much he really enjoyed the dan jurgens interview he said it was the most excellent job both shag and rob would should be proud of it thank you for entertaining me at my ninety thousand miles truck servicing <laughs> that's a lot of miles and then over on google plus he said uh firestorm fan and aquaman shrine put on a good show i hear there will be cake 
I don't really know what that no, means. No, I, I didn't understand that either. But can I will you, tell you, write us in and let the, us know. the cake is a lie. So, and uh, anyway, yeah, he retweeted us over on Twitter, and he's KGBUNC over there. Uh, let's see, Ray Tigner, 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 probably. Tigner. Okay. Um, he liked his, he liked the interview with Dan Jurgens. He said he's still cautiously optimistic, but more excited since Stormy's new series in a long while. I'd love to have been in that meeting with Jurgens, Tadio, and the editors on the topic of "quote unquote" fix it. <laughs> that would have been an interesting conversation to hear. Absolutely. Got another comment about the Dan Jurgens interview from a buddy of mine, uh, whose his name is JJ, and he lives in Portland. But I took to calling him Chewy. Um, <laughs> because he's uh, so loyal, and you resemble a young Han- Harrison Ford. No, he looks like Chewbacca. Um, he really does. I, I didn't know what else to call him, so before I learned his name, I just referred to him as Chewie. So anyway, uh, he enjoyed it. He said he's always um, Dan's always struck him as one of those fantastic journeymen of comics. Wherever he travels, there's good work left in his wake. Really enjoyed listening to you guys talk to him. So, that was thank- great. I like that turn of phrase. Yep. So thank you for that. We got a comment on Firestone Fan. I'm going to read this one from Siskoid, my buddy Siskoid, or our buddy Siskoid. Listening to the Fire and Water Now, and you just referenced my favorite story of Firestorm ever, the 2000 Committee stuff. It was probably my favorite story that year in any comic. On Paul uh, Peltier, that's a French name from my area, pronounced Peltier, but on the American side, Maine, they pronounce it Pelletier like you do. I think that's probably it. Surprised Art Bear pronounces his name a la Francais rather than Thibbert, though. Are you culbertizing it for fun? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am not. As far as I've ever heard his name pronounced, it's always Art T. Bear. So, in fact, I think Shag, I heard you say it like that. So. Well, I, it, I had heard it from someone else besides you. Okay. So I, I just, you know, we should just we should have asked Dan. But um, I'm glad you dug the 2000 Committee reference because I mean that's such a good comic. I mean, seriously, guys, if you if you want a good classic Firestorm comic, whether you own a mill already or you're just looking for it, go dig up Fury of Firestorm number 14 through 18 and Annual number one. It is a solid, solid story of Firestorm, and it really deserves to be collected and love it. By the way, we didn't mention Siskoid um, has a blog of his own. It's oh, a Siskoid's blog of geekery. Yes. And everything he puts on that site is right in my wheelhouse. It's it's phenomenal. So he's also a big fan of our Who's Who show, but that's for another. And he, does, another and he does his own Who's Who things. He does, yeah, it really is like the, the perfect shag blog. It's Doctor Who. Yep. It's got everything. Star Trek, comic Star books. Trek, who's Who, yeah. It's great. Um. Sean Corey, uh, it, it's interesting. I think I said that right. Did I say Corey? Yeah, I think right? you said it. We okay. got it right. Yep. It, it's been so long since we've done feedback. The the comments from him sort of progressed from him being like us just meeting him all the way to being like him being one of our biggest fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> it starts off with him sort of introducing himself. He's like, hey, guys, I love the website and really love the Fire and Water podcast. I've always been more of a Marvelite. Um, the only books I've ever collected faithfully on the DC side were Firestorm, Flash, JLA, and Captain Carrot. Long live Firestork, which was the Firestorm character, which is great. Uh, but the podcast has made me an add Aquaman to my pull list, so it better be good. And uh, <laughs> that was one of the earlier comments. And as time goes by, he created a Captain Carrot blog, which you can find at Captain Captain where he name checked us in his very first post and uh, gave us credit for partially inspiring the blog. So wow, thank you for that. And um, he shouted out for us over on Facebooks and when's the next fire and water? I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like his. He was pressuring us. Um, there was another thread that went on on Facebook that really cracked me up. Is where he, I think, you know, I forget. I think Shag, you wrote something and then he commented on it. And then later, little Russell Burbage came by and commented on what Sean said, 
And then Sean goes, wow, I've been my, – my comment got liked by the famous little Russell Burfinch. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I was like, we've made Russell famous just from our feedback on the show. I felt so good about that. Well, Sean, uh, Sean made a comment where he sent me a link. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Uh, freaking Vibes getting his own series. Yes. How insane is that? <laughs> I, uh, I literally like passed out when I read that. I was like, whoa. It's like, you know, as, as one of the most staunch supporters, not as much as Diablo Frank probably, but as one of the most staunch supporters of Vibe in the world, I really feel comfortable saying that. I really do. Um, I, even I'm like, what the hell? What is DC thinking? You know, so um, anyway, so Sean was nice enough to send me a link about it on uh, Facebook or, or someone did. Either way, Sean made a comment. He said, wow, DC's really scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, on the new 52, aren't they? I said, no, Sean, they're not yet. They don't have a Captain uh, Carrot comic yet. So, but I'm bumped. So, Sean, there you go. You've, oh, you've been zinged officially by the uh, Fire and Water folks. So, <laughs> anyway, so welcome to the fan, uh, fan club, Sean. We're glad to have you around. This is from Craig M. He says, I was disappointed with Aquaman number 13. It was pretty anticlimactic for me after such a long storyline, and it ends with Arthur learning a lesson he really did need to learn very after-school special. <laughs> I've enjoyed the other storyline up until now, but this was a letdown. Well, I, I, can under- I, I understand what you're saying, Craig. I, don't, I didn't feel that way, but I can understand where you're coming from. Well, Craig, the, uh, the Prisoner of War ongoing series is going to make up for that, there don't worry. He said, uh, Fury Firestorm number 13 was great, though. Jurgen introduces four new villains, sets up a fifth mystery villain, and teases us the return of someone. What I liked most about this, though, was the return of the two guys, one superhero concept, which is, uh, which is what I've always found the most fascinating about Firestorm. Great chemistry between Ronnie and Jason here. Looking forward to see how the rest of the storyline plays out. Couldn't agree more. Great issue. Lots of fun. So, um... I believe he also retweeted us. Um, sorry if I'm getting this wrong. Uh, we got retweeted by a Craig uh, McDonald, and I believe that's probably Craig M. If I've got, if we have two Craig M's, you know, following, I apologize, but that's what I came up with. Uh, Lee Novak was uh, just firing on all thrusters in his comments this time uh, over on Facebook uh, after the Dan Jurgens when we announced the Dan Jurgens interview. Uh, before it actually went in the feed, he said, Oh, did he spill the beans about a Firestorm, Aquaman, Blue Devil, Phantom Stranger, Dr. Fate team book? <laughs> that would be one awesome book. <laughs> and when we mentioned uh, the newest episode went up, he said, This isn't the episode where you guys talk about Firestorm and Aquaman, is it? I've been waiting for that one. <laughs> so um, he did say, he goes, uh, in regard to the Dan Jurgens interview, In the middle of listening to this at work, I just heard the part about possibly seeing Slipknot. I'm not ashamed to say I squealed like a little girl. Okay, maybe I'm a little maybe ashamed. A little <laughs> so. We got an email from uh, Jack Dower, uh, a.k.a. Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I think I've credited him independently before, not realizing it was the same dude. <laughs> yeah, we actually get email from the Penguin. Uh, good, day, my, <laughs> good day, my ever-gracious fleet commanders. I had to say I am glad Shag made it back in almost one piece. Not that Michael Bailey would not have been a great, uh, would not have been great, but Shag and Rob go together like nitro and glycerin. We get a <laughs> we get a bang out of you guys every show. What a bump up, thank you. First off, I am sad to see both the Aquaman and Firestorm teams leaving, but I am sticking around with the titles for the long haul. Thanks to you guys. Hear that, DC? Also, the awesome ninety nine cent back issue deal in Comicology, Comicsology introduced me to how much fun the back issues are. I mean, who doesn't need seventy five titles a month? <laughs> Second, you were lamenting being many people's pot. 
people's number two podcast. Don't worry about that. I mean, second place is great. Just ask fans of the Buffalo Bills or Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Um, on second thought, let's move on to my question. You guys had some fun with your favorite moments on the first year of your team up. What about your favorite Firestorm and Aquaman team up moments? Fan the flame, ride the wave, and down with Google Plus. Don't worry, Shag. That's just me kissing up the Rob. Jack J. Dower. P.S. My Batman phase just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference for I said I think everyone goes through a Batman phase. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack's apparently st- eternally stuck in it. Yes. Well, favorite Aquaman Firestorm team-up moment. Uh, I'm going to guess yours is when Aquaman dunked Firestorm into the ocean during a, a practice run. No, I, that, I mean, that is fun because that's like, probably literally like their only scene together with just the two of them. Um, I think I like that the, when we crossed, when we covered the team up, the uh, crisis on Earth Prime. No, we, yeah. We're, yeah, that was what, that was great because that, you know, we just had the five JLAers, so that was, uh, there was a lot of chances for Aquaman and Firestorm to interact. So that was probably my favorite moment with those two guys together. They didn't really get to, they didn't have a lot of issues together. They really didn't. I, I kind of like it, and it's not a great team up moment, but it's one that resonates with me. One of my favorite, just kind of dramatic moments, is JLA Annual Number Two when Aquaman just totally flushes the entire Justice League down the toilet. And um, not, I'm not saying what resulted was bad because I love Justice League Detroit, but he just fires the just JLA. What the hell? But anyway, when he's talking about forming the new JLA, and Firestorm's like, "Hell yeah, I'm on the team." And they talk, and you know, they basically challenge him in saying, "You know, can you fully, fully commit to this?" And Firestorm couldn't do it because he's got two lives outside of being a hero. And uh, I just, I think that's a powerful moment. He also went on to say that Dan Jurgens' interview was absolutely amazing and fun to listen to. I'd love to see him work on a couple of my seventy-two Batman titles. Heck, there's enough of them going around. What do you think of him working on a Blue Devil or Doctor Fate title? Don't tease me. Yeah, that's Don't. right over the plate. Don't don't tease that that just hurts. Uh, he goes, "You're my favorite podcast of this of this nuclear sub." So thank you very much. He also uh, made a comment about my parachuting video. So <laughs> so you get you get my joy from that. So we got an email from Sean Brock, aka Oren's dad, on the Aquaman Shrine. Uh, a thought or two about the Dan Jurgens interview. How totally cool that you get to spend an hour plus interviewing the great Dan Jurgens. Yes, it was cool. He was it was just, so cool. Yes, he was just a great guy with a great sense of humor. I've liked Booster Gold since he was created and was glad to hear Dan talk about him too. I'm excited about him taking over Firestorm, even though he seemed less than supportive of the use of Slipknot. I don't know. I, I got the sense he was really thinking about I, I think so. You know, I, think if you, I think if he brings back Slipknot, you and I can totally take credit for that. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, heard from Christopher J. Warden over on Facebook. Um Christopher sort of suggested that I had read Podcast for Dummies as, as a guidebook. So, um, Christopher, screw you. So, uh, and thanks for listening. Um, there, here's one that should be directed directly at Frank. So, Frank, perk up your ears. Roger Preeb, uh, who's a, a Firestorm fan over, that I interact with over in Firestorm, on Facebook, he wrote, are we going to see a DC Challenge podcast sometime soon? <laughs> so, uh, there you go, Frank. Go hog wild on that's that one. That's a definite no from us. <laughs> you know, I've never even read it. I've read like an issue of, or two, but I've never read the whole thing. It's, so. it's fun, but it's not something you read a lot. You know, I think you read it once and you're like, okay, that was fun. I, I forgot it as soon as I finished it. And I imagine it would be good month to month rather than reading in one sitting just because the very nature of it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Michael Bailey gave us lots of shout outs over on Facebook. Um, he... Uh, Let's see. He pushed our some of our Fire and Water podcasts. He he suggested next time he's on the show, maybe him and Rob could do dueling FDRs. And um, I would like that, Michael. 
Oh, geez, guy, put you guys in a soundproof room and do it, maybe, so the rest of us don't have to hear it. <laughs> so, but he said that um, Shag and Rom put together one hell of a show about Firestorm and Aquaman, and then, uh, so, which was very nice of him to say. He also promoted us over on his blogs, uh, Fortress of Bailey Tude, and over on Bailey's Batman podcast. So, thank you for that, Michael. Uh, we got an email from Ben Avery. Uh, he was He's asking, wanted to drop you a note about Firestone number 13. After number zero pressed, well, it wasn't a reset button, more of a remix button. I've been waiting to see if this was going to hold up. When it became Firestone the Nuclear Man, were they going to change thing, where, where they're going to change the things I liked about Firestone the Nuclear Men, just as it was causing my interest to grow after almost losing my interest altogether? Answer, no. I was so relieved that this wasn't like the fifth season of the A-Team when suddenly they worked for the guy who was in those lawyer commercials or like Sequest when they went to space or, sorry, going down that rabbit trail could take me quite a while to come back from. I thought I was the only one that remembers the last season of A-Team. I love it when a TV show, like, in its desperate attempts to stay on the air, like, completely inverts the whole process, the reason the show exists. Right, I right. I love that. He's just like, this is, he seems so sad and desperate. Well, I mean, that's, those are the only choices they have. You either do the Cousin Oliver effect or you, you reverse the whole premise right. of the show. Right. Um, but he, he goes on to say some nice things about um, he really enjoys the dynamic between Ronnie and Jason. And uh, he thinks Jurgens um, he likes the way Jurgens refers to it and uses what happened in the previous 13 issues. So he's looking forward to more. Heard from Darren N. This is a follow-up to the Dragon Con podcast. Michael Bailey and I had talked about how... Uh, I had been witness to two two weddings and a proposal while I was at Dragon Con, and uh, one of them was a gay wedding, and he wrote in, uh, nice podcast, guys, giving it a listen for the first time. Listening to the Dragon Con po- podcast, and as a gay guy living in Georgia, yeah, there is no gay marriage allowed here. The ban was approved in 2004 by 76% of the voters. Good times. We... So, uh, great show. Looking forward to the Who's Who episodes as I get caught up. And that's Darren Noel, uh, and he runs the, uh, I guess it looks like he runs the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Yes, I will just uh, mention that one. Darren, you mentioned the uh, whole gay marriage thing. Considering what happened in the last uh, election, I would say uh, just a matter of time. Maybe not in Georgia, but, you know, probably right around there. (laughs) Uh, We got an email from Brendan Shafinsky, I think. Uh, I know, it's... it's Brendan. We'll just call him Scrabble. Uh, hey, Robin Shag. <laughs> I just I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm loving the show and the Who's Who shows as well. When I was reading Aquaman 13, I thought that the book had a very cinematic feel to it. Absolutely. Almost like the story arc could be used as the basis for an Aquaman movie. I mean, after all, it has his most well-known villain, Black Mana, character growth, and even a sequel set up with Orm and Ocean Master. Just wondering your thoughts on it, especially since Johns is the CCO for DC. It may not be a coincidence. I don't think it is a coincidence at all. I'm sure that John's always has that in the back of his mind. Maybe not, you know, I'm going to write the story that could be used as a movie because they never do that for the most part. But uh, I, I'm sure that it's it's never never that far from his thoughts, really, since he is sort of the conduit between those two worlds. So, and uh, from your, your mouth to God's ear. <laughs> Uh, heard from David Dixon over on Facebook. He said, it was nice to see Shag and Bailey back together again. Sorry, Mike. Rob's FDR is funnier. Thank you, David. Oh, God. Twice, twice Dave, in one show. This is great. I tell you. Oh, man, it's a banner day. Oh. Um, I will not from, have you make fun. Of? Of our 34th president. I'm not making fun of our 34th uh, president. I'm making fun of you mocking our 34th president. I'm not with a my, terrible. It's a tribute to him. 
that's what you call it. Uh, heard from Dan Jaynes. He, he commented over on 33rd Facebook. 33rd president. I just realized I said that wrong. 33rd president. You're just an embarrassment. You should stop talking now. So, Heard from Dan Jaynes over on Facebook and Google+. Plus. He wrote, uh, another great episode. Your interactions with Michael Bailey make me want to go find all your episodes of Views in the Long Box. You definitely should. He's also asking if we could give a plug for his reboot TV show review podcast called Mainframe Chronicle. You can find that over on iTunes and mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. There you go. There's your plug. Um, also heard from Kevin Culp gave us a nice gave gave us a like us over on Google Plus and Facebook. Uh, heard from Luke Dobb, the most dangerously creative man on earth. Heard, uh, got a nice little uh, likes on Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter. Thank you, sir. Andy Capellish. Or uh, heard from him. You know, thumbs up over on Google Plus and Facebook and on iTunes. Yes, he left us a nice iTunes review. Uh, the Firewater Podcast for the win. Fire and Water Podcast is one of the best, most insightful comic book podcasts on iTunes today. A must-listen for any fan of Aquaman, Firestorm, the Justice League, DC Comics, or comics in general. Both Rob <laughs> and Chag are passionate passionate and avid, knowledgeable fans and collectors, and their banter is nothing less than uproarious. Give this podcast a try. You won't forget it. Thank you, Andy. We love the iTunes well, thank, reviews. Thank you very much. Yeah, they really help. Heard from Oscar uh, Ololde. I can never say that gentleman's name, but we love you, Oscar. Uh, he thumbed up us for over – that sounds terrible – Give us a like. I don't know. Whatever. Over on Google Plus and Facebook. Uh, he said on Facebook, last month was the first time I've had to wait for a new episode to come out since I'd finished listening to all the previous ones. Okay, I must come clean. I started listening to other superhero podcasts. But they meant nothing. Especially the Aussie Soups one. I mean, nice effort, but ugh. So, uh, also left us some comments over on Google Plus uh, and said, he mentioned how Rob's too quiet and he's hard to hear when he's jogging past uh, <laughs> traffic. Uh Got, uh, you know, uh, liked Randy Caldwell, liked us over on Google Plus, and uh, he totally agrees with me about Hal Jordan and the yellow problem, and Jordan is an imbecile. So, <laughs> heard from Lamont Fritz over on Google Plus. He said uh, he loved the show, it's very fast paced. Heard from Manjit Dangel over on Facebook and Twitter, and he's pledged to stay current on Fire and Water Podcast, <laughs> and I'm holding him to it. That's right. We got some shout-outs over on uh, – or support, I should say, over on Facebook, people that liked our post. Two people i got to mention in particular, Ray McCarthy, who's the inker on Firestorm. Did a great liked job. One of, liked our post. Thank you so much and did do a great job on that book. And Brian Miller, who's the colorist on Firestorm. So, nice. wow. Thank you. All right. going to blow through this insanely large <laughs> list of folks because um, – because of the Dan Jurgen stuff, we got a lot more attention this time than usual, so there's a lot of folks. So, Alan Lee Hansard, Billy Penn, Brian Adams, Chad Bokelman, Charlie Niemeyer, Devin Johnson, Donovan Morgan Grant, Doug Zawiski. Yeah, that's just whiskey from now on, dog. Sorry. Erica Peterman, the FKA Podcast, Giancarlo Nurko, Hector Negrete, J. David Weeder, James Gottfried, J Jason Jones, Jason Pope, Joe Medellin, I think the sixth or V., uh, John R. Opal, Jonathan McGavin, who also used to run a Firestorm site, by the way, Ken Deemer, Ken Homel, Lauren Nicole McCuller-Williams, Mauricio Remiort, Ugh, sorry about that, <laughs> Michael Bernstein, Michael Bradley, Michael Bernstein again, um, Ron Methvin, Roy Cleary, Stanley Francis Lajola, Terry, Lil, Lil Terry Morton, which actually is, uh, I've been calling him that for about 10 years, Thomas Oswald, Wagner Oliveira, Vicky Gatanis, Tim Wallace, Chester Aguar, Todd Hoover, John Opal, Jason Hendricks, and Joe Mello. Over on Twitter, got some retweets from a few people uh, right off the bat I have to mention. We got retweets from, oh, that's right, Dan Jurgens. Thank you very much, nice. for Jurgens, for that. 
Uh, Rod Reese, oh, hells yeah. Thanks, Rod. Hi, uh, Hi-Fi Color, which is, again, Brian Miller, the color stun firestorm. Hell yeah. Yildere Snar, the amazing Yildere Snar, artist on Firestorm. Joe Harris, former writer on Firestorm as well. So thank you to you uh, super celebrities for taking notice of our little show. So i got to mention Brian, Bradley Lever goes by B. This Lever. Is great. <laughs> I love it. He says we help him get through his work day, and then he, he sent another tweet that said we, he maxed out his data plan downloading the Fire and Water <laughs> podcast while on the road. Money well spent. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Raul Cotto Verified, who goes by Mass Fuego, uh, was kind enough to confirm that, yes, Rob uh, did say that Orm wouldn't be biologically related, so in your face, Rob. Uh, La Cueve del Nerd also busted on Rob for whispering on the last episode because he wasn't trying, wasn't trying to wake up his family. Yes, so. I, 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 I plead guilty. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to run through the massive list of Twitter folks here. Aaron DeLauder, who goes by Dalla DeLauda. Action Figure Blues, AF Blues. Alan Middleton, which goes by Professor Allen. Allison Eckel, which is Gen X fan sub. Anthony Durso, who's the toy room. Brian Reese at, I'm sorry, Barry Reese at Barry Reese Pulp. Bill Bailey, which is BB Netman. Bill Beer, which is Gotham Knight 13. Casey Boardman, which is Thane Lore. Carlton Hero, it's Carlton Hero. Clint Buckler, who's our favorite, The Clintro. Corey Hodgson, which is Higher Rock, which we haven't heard from in a while. Good to hear from you, sir. David Cabal, which is D Cabal 22. David McNeil, Davey Micken. Donald Miller, which is Big Donnie M82. Drew Sykes, Drew Sykes. Fantasia Verse, I think is how you say that. Sounds, At the same. Sounds right. Seems Flodo, right. Flodo Span, who's GL875 and started his own blog as well. Glenn Walker, Monsura, also hadn't heard from him in a while. Thank you very much for that. Gone Kazi Roman, which is the same in complex. Uh, Greg Barr is Barzi. Hector Negrete, Bauhaus 45. J. David Clark, Clarktacular. <laughs> I like that. J.P. Hayes, which is J.P. Hayes. Uh, Joe Slab is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, that's J. Slab 425. Kyle Benning, uh, Kyle Benning, Paul Bowler, the same. R. Barron, just the robber Baron. Rex at Tyrannus Rex. Ryan Murphy, Jock Bro PA. Saif Ahmad, which is, yeah, I can't even say that, man. Okay. Scott M. <laughs> Davis, which is good to say. Valiant effort. <laughs> Stephen R.J. Vaughn, S.R.J. Vaughn, and Zach Dorman, who's Zach Dorman. Over on Google Plus, we got shout outs from uh, Comic Book and Movie Reviews, Dawood Fakwarian, Tetsa Fuji, and Manu G. Thank you. Now, folks, here we go. It is time for the Steam Award. I will tell you, it's the first time in its long, long history, there's actually a runner up. And a grand prize winner. <laughs> Shocking as that may be. We're going to start off with our runner-up, who is a previous winner of the Fire of the Fire and Water Steam Award podcast. Um, the, I'm sorry, the Fire and Water Podcast Steam Award. Previous winner, which might play into the role why he didn't win it this time. So, runner-up is Mr. Andy Capellish. Uh, Andy did two amazing things this month. He did a Halloween costume ad from an old Sears catalog. It is an ad for an Ace Kilroy costume. I want this thing so bad. <laughs> and he has all these little extra faces in the ad, like advertising other products, which is Firestorm, which has Captain Shazam, Captain Marvel. It's Aquaman's face uh, with a mask. It's uh, absolutely brilliant. It is great. And I love the Ace Kilroy costume. It has Ace Kilroy written on his chest. Yes. Like those old Don Post costumes. 
Yep. And then he did one uh, with Aquaman and Firestorm looking like they were getting ready to help out the victims of Hurricane Sandy. So great work. Thank you, Andy. But the winner of the Steam Award this time goes to Mr. Keith Samra. <laughs> Keith did this really, really cool thing. If, if, he wrote us this nice letter, uh, said a lot of nice things, gave us some hell for not getting our superpowers episode part two out yet, which, by the way... Just saying, maybe sooner versus later, you might see a superpowers episode. I'm not promising nothing. Anyway, he took the time to sketch out an advertisement piece for our podcast, as if it was going to appear in like Wizard Magazine or something back in the 90s. Uh, he, he, he made him, he sort of channeled his Spider Man, Tobey Farland, Marvel image kind of stuff, and his old graphic designing stuff. Um, he says he didn't get past the sketch phase, but he sent it to us anyway. He's a big fan of Jose Luis Garcia, praise be his name, and actually wrote that out, praise be his name. Yep. Always a good thing. And he tried to channel as much of his style as he could, and he scanned it and sent it to us. I love it. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, he did, he did a nice job. And uh, you know what? Let's put all three of these up on Tumblr. How's yes, that sound? Absolutely. We'll put Andy's up there, uh, both of those. We'll put this one up there. Just really nice stuff. So, um, folks, that is the Fire and Water podcast. Um, I am the Irredeemable Shag. You can find me at Firestorm Fan, which is FirestormFan.com. Uh, also on Facebook, Google+, Tumblr, and Twitter, all at the same, Firestorm Fan. Where can they find Aquaman Shrine? You can find Aquaman Shrine at AquamanShrine.com. Uh, as we're recording this, we are in the middle of our uh, fundraising effort for the Red Cross relief for Hurricane Sandy. Um, Of course, by the time you guys hear this, the campaign will be over, but we are doing quite well. We have contributions, prizes from Joe Prado, Ivan Reese, Rod Reese, and Jeff Johns, which is amazing. Whoa, really? Yes. Thanks for reading the blog. The entire uh, Aquaman team has all donated something, so I really owe those guys. They're great. And we are raising some decent... Decent sized coinage for Hurricane Sandy Relief. So, again, by the time you guys hear this, the, the campaign will, will be wrapping up in its final day. In case some of you hear this early in the morning on uh, Monday and you want to donate, there will still be a couple hours left. So, please go ahead and do We would love to donate as much as, as possible. And thank you to everybody who has donated to this point. You've been very generous. And uh, a lot of donations have come from people who are like not regular commenters. They're just guys who obviously just men and women who have just been reading the shrines. It makes me feel really good that they're compelled enough to donate. So thank you. Anyway, you can find us on AquamanShrine.com, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And you can also see my other blog, uh, I Am the Phantom Stranger, at IamThePhantomStranger.blogspot.com. Updated irregularly, but that's you know in keeping with the character. Uh, and, of course, uh, <laughs> you can read uh, my webcomic, Ace Kilroy, at AceKilroy.com. Fantastic. Well, folks, until next time, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Absolutely, guys. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Florida. When the last week of autumn has fallen to the ground, 
And the icy wind through the empty trees makes a howling sound. At first it drives you indoors, and then it drives you mad. That's when you know you need it, and you know you need it bad. You say it every summer, what makes it go so fast? And later on you wonder what makes the winter last. While the springtime you've been waiting for never comes somehow. That's when you know. 